the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all could be with us this morning. So, uh, this morning gets gets by fast. You think? Yeah, yeah. I'm not ready yet. No, I didn't get my pad out. I didn't even have my headphones ready. Just just sat down. I was downstairs trying to make some coffee. It takes forever Uh, to make this coffee. Of course. You know how that is. Well, I was listening to our podcast, and I noticed that, you know, the first break, you know, 6 a.m., the first break, or between there, we're talking, and then there's the the next break, mm-hmm. you know, we've been talking, <clears throat> and then we come back on on the next time, uh, and we're awake, awake, don't you? Yes, <laughs> and I thought, I thought I was faking it pretty well, <laughs> but I don't think so. You can literally tell the difference, but, you know, not that I haven't been up since 4 a.m. anyway. Yeah, but welcome, <laughs> hey, welcome to summer. <laughs> no. 4 a.m. Yeah, I heard you. I <laughs> yeah, heard welcome you. to summer. Welcome to summer, yeah, Miss Theta. Let's see. I'm 20 minutes away, and we got to be here like at 10 till 6. Yeah. So that like means that. I'm going to get up at 5. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything's a last minute. But um, I know what is happening this week. Crazy. Did I just, Because we live in this black hole of horticulture. That's That's why. But this is weird. This is so weird. Let me look now. Oh, I heard, okay, 96, and I heard Hold someone on. else say 100. Yeah, well, yeah, what's the difference? I yeah, mean, between Tuesday and Wednesday. So starting today now, today's only what, 87. Like, oh, wow. That's cool. I, see, I saw 91 that. yesterday. 87's great. Yeah. Oh, well, let me check the other weather app and see. Yeah, no, but I mean, for the next, <laughs> what, six or seven days? Yeah, 87, 88, 92, 96, 96, mm. and then 89. Okay. I have to wear it's a coat better. after that. Yeah, so those two 96 days, you know, we'll just endure and make sure our stuff's watered mm. well. Oh, my goodness. I wrote down water, water, water. Yeah, I can't catch up. because what is I, Because, you know, the weather's a little cooler, and I thought it could slack just a little bit. No. No rain. No rain in the forecast whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing but dry heat. Because we did get rain, but... Well, at one time it rained almost all day and well, it helped yeah. a lot, but we could have used a couple of days. Yeah, it in rained a row. one time this summer. One that's what time. you're talking about. Yeah, one time, one time this summer. This is true. But what an intense year to learn to grow. Well, and speaking of that, I was talking to a customer yesterday afternoon uh, at the garden center, and of course she's got irrigation, and of course she's got plants dying under irrigation, mm-hmm. and. She's an elderly lady, and, you know, thank God she does have irrigation, but she can't figure out why some of her plants are dying. You mean, like, they've been fine years after years, and well, then all and, of yeah, a sudden— and some of these were even Yopon hollies, which mm-hmm. you know how tough they are, Veda, and well-established, okay? <laughs> and, and it comes down to still, we had such a horrific growing season. The weather has been—you know, it's not like— you know, it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. kind of weather, but it's been so hot and so dry for the most part of this growing season. So she couldn't figure out what, why these plants were dying. And so we went over the different scenarios, you know, whether it's a chemical burn um, from a fertilizer, whether it's a spray that someone had sprayed on there. Maybe, the you know, the neighbor had a leaky pool or whatever, all that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it all comes down to water. And I was like, and I was explaining to her, just because we have an irrigation system 
I mean, that doesn't mean <laughs> that everything is being watered the way it should. And in this case, she found out it was staying too wet. She said, I cut my irrigation system off. This is about three weeks ago. And I'm going, why did you cut your irrigation system off? She said, well, because someone came over and said that everything was too wet. And I said, well, it might have been. It very well could have been. But you got to find a happy medium mm-hmm. somewhere. You can't just cut it off, okay? So she was scratching her head, and it was kind of disturbing to her that she was still having plants dying under irrigation. And we talk about this all the time. You right. know, you, you've got to go out there and check. I, mean, I don't care if you have to dig a hole in your beds. And see what that moisture is. See how deep that moisture is penetrating. If it's sloppy, wet out there, you've got too much water going on. And I wonder how she got a lo- away with that so many years, or did the person she this year just reset? moved in this house oh, this year? Okay, okay. Because I'm going. How did she's not used to this this landscape? Uh-huh. She's not used to this irrigation system. None of it. She yeah. moved in the house this year. Yeah, that's a good point because now, it's always got. I mean, every time I set that irrigation up at night, you have to check each irrigation head to make sure that it's hitting in the right direction because when we're taking them down putting them up it's going to adjust the heads some so you can't never when you're watering or doing you know anything with water can you assume no no because <laughs> it, it's you'll have to check it no matter what and, and in this case like i said it was a situation where a lot of the plants were staying she had what she tell me she had like 17 different zones Ooh, mercy so this is a major irrigation yeah. system and there's so many things that are under one zone okay mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, from anywhere from shrubs to even little bedding plants under the same zone. So it's almost impossible to get that just right. I get that. Yeah, okay? you're right. Yeah. But she was saying that it seemed like this happened, started happening immediately, and it seems like it's spreading. I said, well, yeah, I mean, the hotter it gets, you know, in the summertime, the more pronounced it's going to be. So we're going to start seeing this tissue die away. And as far as, you know, it seems like it's spreading. Well, yeah, you're probably going to see even still more damage out there. Yeah. You know, until we get this water thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah. situated. Yeah, because you said a year. Mm-hmm. And if it's been since this summer running that way, yep. she is probably going to have some later damage yeah. from what had happened now. So what we're saying is, I mean, here we are in September. It's still hot and it's still dry. I've been telling people every day, all day. It's dry out there. It really is. So you got to get out there and make sure things are getting watered properly, especially plants that had just been planted this past spring or this summer. You know, they actually take a little more care. I always tell people, and Betty, you know this too, when you plant a shrub, a tree, or whatever, that first summer is always the most critical, mm-hmm. you know? It is. And, uh, and like I said, and I love irrigation. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not bad-mouthing irrigation. I'm just saying you've got to, you, you almost have to know your irrigation system. You really do. And that was making me think right this very minute how last week we planted, put some shrubs in the front of the garden center because the weather was a little cooler and we're thinking, I'm telling everyone, well, as each week goes, we'll either be this cool or we'll be be getting cooler and cooler. But that's not happening. As each week goes, we're getting warmer and warmer. <laughs> so I should really go check and see how well watered these are that we planted. Because I know that they're getting some water. Yeah. But these just got planted and it's staying hot. So I need to really check and see if my irrigation is adequate. Absolutely. And, and, and we all know that some things are more drought resistant than others. 
So, yeah, just make your rounds. And like I told her, get a trowel. Go out there in these beds and dig a hole and see how far that water's penetrating. See if it's really mucky, muddy down there. See if it's bone dry four inches down. You've got to check this out. And I said, honestly, you might have to get someone out there and really take a look at the irrigation. Walk around the irrigation with you. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and understand, you know, the, the, the panel where you control all this stuff. I mean, and she, had, she really had no idea, honestly, which is, I get that. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't either, yeah. you know. So the, in her mind, the simplest thing to do was just cut the thing off. I agree. That's probably what I would have done, too. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think either I'm going to let them drown to death or have have no water at all. You know, which one would I do? Probably that area. If I couldn't adjust it, I might let one area get too wet versus having the entire landscape mm-hmm. dying off. Well, and that's that's my whole point, though. She, she didn't understand the irrigation system. Mm-hmm. She probably doesn't understand the irrigation panel, you know, the little control panel there. And she's got so many different zones, it was basically overwhelming to her. I mean, she's mm, tried I her best, that, right. you know, to do the right thing and, and to keep this landscape that she inherited when she bought this house. But it, How it, many zones again? 17 zones. Wow. And it's just amazing how something, we say this all the time, something as simple as just water, mm-hmm. you know, can be so complex. And then I said, well, you need to cut the irrigation system back on. She said, well, what if I go out there and hand water? I said, you can do that. I said, give everything a good soaking about twice a week, these mature plants, until we get cooler temperatures or we start getting some rain. And then she said, well, how long do I soak them? I know. You know, oh, and I no. said, well, you know, that, that, I said, count to 20. Just count each slowly shrub. to 20. Yeah, around each shrub. So you've got a 17-zone landscape. Yeah. So and but, then you're going to hand water. Yeah, but she understood she should, that, yeah. though. She said, yeah. okay, just count to 20 really slow. Okay, perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you. And that's all she wanted to hear. How yeah. long do I need to water these things? Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by how watering can be so complex. And we're talking about just watering plants. Yeah. yeah, and complex can be all the way down to, if it's sandy, more drainage, oh, then you Lord. need to water count to 25. If it's really clay, then you need to count to 15. You know, we could get so detailed on. Like at the garden center, when you get plants from different vendors, um, they're the same coneflower but this one's from this vendor, the southern soil. Different soil. And you have to water them different. Well, of course, when you're sending somebody out there just to water, then they're not going to think about the soil textures. Oh, of it's course a, not. So Especially this, the guy that's only been there for two weeks. Right. So this one's going to be, those are set right there, could be way overwatered because it's such a little strategy to it. Yeah. So anyway, guys, keep that in mind. You know, make your rounds. It is really dry out there. Uh, make sure the irrigation system is working the way it should. Go out there and dig a few holes if you have mm-hmm. to and check the moisture just a, be, below the mulch yeah. line, okay? Right, yeah. Give it a, a number of inches below the mulch line. Yeah. yeah, and also I would do some root stimulator on things. Like if like if you've seen some things have become too dry, the wilt, you still water it and it comes out fine. But every time a plant wilts or goes too long, some of the roots can die off. We talked about that also in in. in and let me say this also, Veda, if you remember back last winter, you know, it rained from November to April almost every day. It was so yeah, wet. It did. And then we went through, you know, this blazing hot, dry summer. So that's what I mean by a, really a, a really tough growing mm-hmm. season. And a lot of plants, as soon as it started getting really hot this summer that stayed too wet last winter, 
they started to decline also. Yeah. You know, this is what that is one reason as well as just trying to get your plants growing well that we recommend such an extensive soil prep because if your soil's draining good, you just you you just said it all. Yeah, the, you know? then you're gonna you're going to have a much higher percentage of not losing anything or not getting it stressed, and it's really. The soil prep. Yeah, you just said it all. It's all yep. about soil prep because around here we have nothing but clay soil. Unless you live in Mud Island, I get that. Yeah, oh right my Right by goodness. the river. Then yeah. you got sandy loam. you got to add clay then down adding there. adding and adding but if you've and got, adding. But if you've got good, well-drained soil and that soil has been prepped the way it should, especially on new plantings, new trees, and new shrubs, we can get away with a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You really can. It's all, It really mm-hmm. is all this stuff all the soil prep and all well we're going to go to a break you've been listening to the mighty 990 you can call us on 260-5926 and jim will get to you right after the break Good morning and welcome back to the Mighty 990. You're listening to Veda and Kenneth on the Mid-South Gardening Channel. Yeah. <laughs> Just had to say that. Yes, ma'am. And um, we're going to, let's go to John. Good morning, John. Thanks for calling the Mid-South Garden. How are you today? Doing good. How are you guys? Hey, John. Doing great, buddy. What's going on today? Well, I've got some, uh, I guess, four or five really tall crepe myrtles. Uh, near my house that I need to have trimmed back so I can get my house worked on and painted. Mm -hmm. And should I wait until after a frost to do that? I know I don't want to crepe myrtle them, but I want (laughs) to, I I need to come close to crepe myrtling them this time to uh, to get those guys room to work. Right. Wow. You know, wait a little colder weather or does it really matter? We're having to cut some crepe myrtles off of a building so the guy, they can replace the lights and so we can, you know, have some lighting on that area. But we're just taking a couple of limbs off to clear it off of the building. So that's not a bad thing to do that. Yeah, I mean, what I would say, John, is cut back what you have to cut back, but don't cut back any more than that. I mean, because you're right, the best time to cut them back is, you know, in early March of next year, you know, right before the new growth flush is back out. And while they're still dormant. Now, if you go in there and cut this thing in half, is it going to kill that crepe myrtle? Probably not. No. I mean, that's how tough these crepe myrtles are. But, you know, ideally in the perfect world, John, you would wait, of course, until mid-February, early March to do it. But there again, you know, like you said, you've got a situation where you've got to get your house painted. They've got to get back there, you know, free to get it painted. Uh, so in this case, you've got to get in there and cut back what you need and have to cut back. It's not going to hurt that crepe myrtle. Okay. All right. Well, enjoy listening. Thanks so much. All right, John. Thank, Thank you, you for buddy. the call. That's the, that's the beauty of a crepe myrtle. I, yeah. You know, there's always these times to prune this and prune that and prune right. this. But the crepe myrtle seems to yeah. just not even care yeah, no matter when you know i i do kind of cut back on my pruning like from now yeah from about now until january i i cut back on the pruning somewhat and then when we get really cold and all i'll start start pruning again but if you have to get things out of the walkway mm-hmm. you know off the house mm-hmm. then See, you just have to and i'm like john i had a crepe myrtle that was really too close this is the house i lived in 100 years ago too close to the corner of the house. It was, it was planted mm-hmm. too close to the house. 
And I would cut it back actually every fall, knowing that I shouldn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? I How would, did he call it? Crepe myrtle? Cra- I would crepe myrtle it for <laughs> sure. But I would do it in the fall, uh, which I knew was not the best time to do it. Uh, but Veda did it numerous times, mm-hmm. and it was absolutely fine. It was still flush right back out in the spring. So in John's uh, defense, yeah, he can go out there and, and really cut this thing back as, as much as he needs to. But mm-hmm. I would still try overall to do my major pruning in you know early March of the next year. Well, since we said crepe myrtles, I guess I need to. Just say it again. Got to pour some stuff, some stuff around the crepe myrtles for these crepe myrtles bark scale. That's just uptick. yeah. Are you? Because yeah. I am too. I'm seeing little more places and one tree. I thought I was thinking. You know, I'm just going to keep cleaning it off, take care of it. We're talking about the white little bumps, the scale that get mm-hmm. on these crepe myrtles, and then they turn black. Yeah, with the, the sooty myrtles. Yeah, do, and that's yeah. how a lot of people know they've got scale. They don't even know it till they trunks and the limbs and the leaves and everything under the crepe myrtle starts to turn black yeah and then it's um been working a while well just like aphids on the leaves Mm -hmm. wow have we has the crepe myrtle bark scale taken over the aphid issues on the leaves because you would get the black sooty mold that way you would but but aphids we knew they were going to go away as soon as the leaves fell you know Mm -hmm. they as soon as they drop the scale you know the scale are there until you get rid of them yeah yeah and that's the thing i don't want all that black sooty mold falling on my furniture the car the the landscape and all of that i think a lot of people have not planted crepe myrtles because of they think that might happen but the only times I ever see it happen is when they're in too much shade, crowded mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. things built on top of the root system, you know, just overly stressed is where they'll get that issue. Oh, it's no doubt. And, and crate murder bark scale is one of these, it's a type of scale that we didn't have 10 years ago, you know, just didn't have it. It didn't exist around here. And this scale, particular scale, loves the crate myrtles. I mean, that's really what it's going after. And then when they're young, they climb up there, but they attach themselves to the trunks and the limbs, Veda, as you know, by the tens of thousands. And they are small, but there are so many, and they're sucking the fluid out of the crepe myrtle. And as they do that, they give off that real sticky secretion called honeydew. It gets on everything. And then that's what that black sooty mold starts to grow on. And, yeah, the problem, the product that you were talking about, the tree and shrub insect drench, uh, it's easy. You just mix it pour it right around the trunk of the tree and you're done and you're done for at least a year sometimes up to two years yeah you see i have talked to a number of people who they're on their second year Mm -hmm. and they've had good results or it's lasted Mm -hmm. but they're going to go ahead and do another treatment right now because you're seeing them come back out again and it's a for me it's a difficult to decide how many on this crepe myrtle should be there before i treat because i always try to give things a chance for for nature to work its way through or if it's not, you know, like the tent caterpillars, I'm going to do nothing about those. The web worms up there, yeah, they're the not, yeah, they're not going to do anything. Yeah, so you trees. know, I'm not going to do. They anything look horrible about right that, now, right? Because I know they're not going to just totally kill my my tree. So, but then with the scale and things like that on plants, if it's just a whole bunch, you have you've no got choice. To, you've you got to, to, you've got to use that drench. Yeah, and like I was your telling ba- you, your your balance, the ecosystem or the balance on that plant has become is off so you would have to change a whole bunch of situations to make that scale go away and you probably couldn't and i told you know i was out watering my crepe myrtles i told you this a couple weeks ago i don't have an irrigation system so i guess i'm by default Mm -hmm. having to pay more attention to my landscape because i'm out there hand watering i can see the shrub every shrub that i'm hand watering Mm -hmm. 
And if there's a problem, I can usually see it at that time, right? So I'm out there hand-watering these crepe myrtles uh, against the back fence, and I did see some scale towards the bottom mm-hmm. part of these trunks. So I put my nozzle on jet stream, and I just blasted mm-hmm. them off of there. So now every time I water my crepe myrtles, I'm blasting mm-hmm. the trunks of these trees. Right. So I'm keeping them clean. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't have a million out there to start right. with. I just saw a few. Yeah, and so I was, if you went out and your tree was all black and oh yeah, and weepy and just insect there's no just spraying all that off you are gonna have to treat but like you're like you and i were both saying if it's minimal then mechanical methods to get rid of it or let nature take over if if it's not too much (laughs) well but like i said the tree and shrub insect drench uh it is truly an easy product to use just mix and pour walk away from it i love the idea that it lasts for at least one growing season sometimes up to two growing seasons and you can use it on you know trees and shrubs but like i said predominantly people are buying it for the crepe myrtle bark scale because think about it i mean well not only think about this beta all the existing ways that we kill scale, you know, mm-hmm. typically we'd go out there and spray an oil spray or we would spray a systemic insecticide mm-hmm. when those products aren't as effective on this particular scale as yeah. the as the drench is. Even spraying the systemic no, yeah, as, no, not as effective. But see, that makes more sense, the drench being more effective because I feel like it can get through the whole system. When you're spraying, you're probably missing areas there's got to be a reason behind. yeah yeah and plus with the drench you don't have to get your hose out and spray and worry about the overspray coming back on you or or wherever i mean you don't want that on you so yeah that's so easy okay we are going to another break and you're listening to mighty 990 you can watch us facebook live text us that way Good morning. Welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. All right. You feel to give us a call, 260-5926, 260-5926, like John did this morning, or you can shoot us a text on the Monday 990 Facebook page. There or you, you can stream us uh, 24-7 on the Mighty 990 app. Mm-hmm, which you can download at the Mighty 990.com. How does that go? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't seem like it's that easy, but it is. I just saw a... Uh, um, a picture of somebody who had a pumpkin and they thought they cut out three little holes like two eyes and a mouth stuffed it with peanut butter no nose oh stuffed it with peanut yeah butter. Okay. no yeah no no stuffed it with peanut butter so the squirrels could have a blast oh wow so then they came out and the squirrels actually kind of carved the pumpkin <laughs> Kind of carved it, but it looks so ghoulish. And you can just imagine That's what it looks cool. like. <laughs> I'm sitting there looking just, at a picture of this just thing. All munched out. I mean, what. A- that is what the best looking way. pumpkin I think I've ever seen. I know that's such a good Halloween pumpkin. Oh, but Lordy. did they clean the insides out too? It looks uh, like they Wow, y'all. Y'all gotta try funny. that. Okay, so pumpkins, cut some little holes out, shove it in with peanut butter, shove it all in it, let the squirrels carve it let, for you. Let ya. them do the rest. Yeah. You know, we were talking about water a while ago. I meant to mention this also. Uh there are some plants that are more susceptible to water damage, it seems, than others. And this is one of those years where the auto-looking laurels took a beating, too. And I've had, if I've had one mm-hmm. person come in with a picture of a dead auto-looking laurel, I've had a thousand come in. 
And mm-hmm. and just this week, I had another lady come in, and they in her case, she had of course a front door with steps coming down. She had a bed to the left and a bed to the right. And Arnold Luke and Laurels were her really her foundation type planting. She had other plants in there, other shrubs in there, but that was the majority of what she had. And of course, you know, you'll see one on the left hand side just starting to die. And you and I both know that that is typically nine times out of ten a water related problem, uh, because autolucans are one of these. They're con- they're the canary in the coal mine. They will not tolerate wet feet. And if you ever want to know if you got wet feet, plant an autolucan laurel. It'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> so we went over all that, but I'm just saying. It's not uncommon. So you're saying if my feet are wet, if your feet are wet, but I'm not sure if they are. Why do we say wet feet? I can go plant an auto Luke and Laura, yes. and it'll tell me my feet. It will feet tell are you, wet. yes, whether they're staying too wet or not. So, but it, but it's always one of those where she had like five in a row, and it was mm-hmm. the fourth one down that died. You know why is that? You know why didn't they all mm-hmm. die? Yeah. You know so it's don't. I mean that happens. It happens mm-hmm. a lot. You know thank goodness they all didn't die. You know, that one could have been staying a little too dry, a little too wet, had a little too much clay there, holding a little more water than the other ones. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, so there's so many different variables. And she would, that's what make, makes people scratch their head is in a row of five or eight or ten, why is that one dying? Yeah, and so, for instance, this these weren't even planted. We had a row of uh, hookera. Yeah, love And it. they're all the same. But why did out of a row of ten— yeah. Two just just fall out. Still root related. Yeah, not on each side, but they weren't. They were still in the bucket too. Mm-hmm. But somehow, <sighs> like I had noticed that our uh, mother in law's tongue snake plant, yeah, was acting like it was getting too wet, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like, how is this happening? And what it appears to be is okay. We have a container, and then we pushed a plastic saucer down into the container. Not like we're going to be watering the snake plant a lot anyway, right. but if you water. And then we put the snake plant in there. Well, what was happening is it looks like that plastic saucer was closing up around the holes in the bottom. So it was getting no air. It wasn't allowing any moisture at all for, you know, the last couple of inches to leave. And since they don't have a lot, like hardly any water, then it was uh, rotting it. And I could not figure out how. And it was just, it's got to be the simple fact that that plastic just molded around. Because you wind over watering. Yeah. Yeah. Because the soil was almost impossible to overwater. You were messing with the drainage, young lady. So basically, yeah, wasn't draining. All right, let's go to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for calling. Uh, uh, Good morning. Hey, Tom. Good morning, buddy. I'm out here in the back. I bought uh, four lines, little lines, yes, sir. last year from Dan West on Poplar. Yeah. <laughs> they all survived, <laughs> but they sure are puny <laughs> with blooming. Now, and they were planted. Any recommendation? Yeah, and Tom, you said they were planted last year or this year? All right, let me get this straight. They were planted in 21, maybe in the fall. Okay. 21. So this was the first growing season. Right. Yeah. So you said kind of puny and no blooms? Yeah, I'm standing out here right now <laughs> watching hummingbirds and looking at these little limes. <laughs> I love it. He's got life figured out. Yeah, hummingbirds fun, looking at you. <laughs> now, all you can do, Tom, you know, you know, little limes and limelights and bobos and those type of hydrangeas, they bloom off kind of like a crepe myrtle does. They bloom off the same year's growth, okay? 
So uh-huh. what I would do is, they, of course, it's too late in the season to expect any bloom now. Uh, but mulch them in really good before it gets really cold this winter. Uh, you can lightly, lightly cut them back if you need to in early March. Okay, if you need to kind of shape them up a little bit. But at that yeah, point, they're still small. I don't believe they need any of that. Okay. Yeah, they sound like they could really use some compost and some extra nutrients and more fertilization. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, like I'm, this, I'm quite sure that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like Veda said, any kind of compost, whether it's, you know, just earthworm castings, cotton burr compost, cotton burr blend, you can put a light layer of compost around these hydrangeas, Tom. And then you can definitely feed these hydrangeas. Uh, now, when I say feed them, this late in the season, you can surely use a good organic fertilizer uh, like plant tone. Uh, but in mm-hmm. the spring, you can also add some phosphate uh, to this uh, hydrangea, and that will encourage this thing to bloom. But they will bloom for you. You make them as healthy as you possibly can, and they should mm-hmm. bloom because, A, they're going to be more established next summer mm-hmm. than they were this year. You know? Right. Yeah, so root stimulators, uh, you may have to loosen the soil around some of them to get the compost yeah. to work down into it. But, yeah, I think if you do all that, then you're just going to be full of blooms next spring and next okay, summer. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I got it in, in, in my note thing, so I'm going to do that very See if I can't uh, uh, see some better results next uh, blooming season. There you Sounds go, Tom. Good. There you go, buddy. All right. Well, thanks, Tom, Thank for the question. Sure Tom, you have of... a great weekend. And you can do that Y'all now. Also. Thank you. You can do that now if you're using the natural fertilizers. You can do it again in the spring mm-hmm. before. Sometimes if your bed or your um, th- plants or the soil is reverted back to bad soil, yeah. then you mm-hmm. take a spend a couple of times adding compost throughout the season, and then eventually you can get the bed built back up where you only need to maintain it once a year, maybe add something. But at first, on any type of soil, if you can't take uh, take it out, blend it together, and then put it back, yeah. then you which just can, got, be, can be risky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've got to pretty much work from the top and let it work its way down, and that takes a little longer, but you need to just keep doing it. So you can get like a screwdriver or a pitchfork or whatever, poke some holes around this hydrangea. Like you said, Veda, mm-hmm. put that layer of compost down. That yeah. way, if you poke your holes, it, it has easier access to get down mm-hmm. into that soil at a faster rate. And then there's there's a product that I wrote down, uh, Veda, and I'll find it, that is actually called uh, bedding plant food, okay? And the bedding plant food is a, uh, here we go right here, bedding plant food, the analysis is a 7-22-8, okay? Mm-hmm. We sell tons and tons of fertilone bedding plant food for people when they buy pansies and violas because, like I said, the analysis is 7-22-8. 22 is the phosphate, okay? Mm. So it's got, it encourages a plant to bloom. Well, you can do the same thing to a shrub. Mm-hmm. You don't have to use it around bedding plants. You can put it around hydrangeas. So if you wanted an easy-to-use granulated fertilizer, uh, the the premium bedding plant food is perfect. Like I said, because we, we sell tons of it for the fall color. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted something that you mixed with water yeah. and you poured, okay, this is next year, there's a fertilone blooming and rooting soluble plant food. You mix this thing with water. The analysis, Vaden, you know this, is a 958 
Eight. Is that the one that they had ever since? The yeah. 80s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's got fifty-eight percent phosphate in it. If if that doesn't encourage, if that doesn't make it bloom, mm-hmm. nothing's going to make it bloom. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so much. That's like, oh, I'm so tired. I haven't eaten good. Here, yeah. have a big cup of coffee. <laughs> That'll wake you up, but it sure didn't fix my problem at all. <laughs> Ooh, no, but I'm telling you, if you want to see some blooms. But the beauty of these uh, paniculata variety hydrangeas, like Tom was just saying, whether it's the limelight, the little lime, the bobos, strawberry, vanilla, on down mm. the line, is they are easy to grow hydrangeas. You know, they First of all, they do need a little more sun than your old-fashioned hydrangea, okay? You know, the mop heads, but as you know, the pinks and the blues, they do perfectly well in high shade, even to more shade, and they bloom just fine. Where these new varieties, these these paniculatas, they actually need a little more sun to bloom the way they should. And then uh, just be patient. After they're established after about a year, uh, you should get tons of bloom th- that next summer. Yeah, so um, like in the fertilization what we were talking about for the for the gentleman that just called, I can see where I would take a pitchfork because it would, especially if you have a whole row and just knock some holes, knock some holes, you know, put some holes, aeration, basically aeration. And then I would have shovelfuls of compost and I would just sling it all under there mm-hmm. and then throw my uh, plant tone out mm-hmm. and be good with it. Yeah. Maybe some mulch, you know, yeah. a root stimulator, definitely follow it up with root stimulator. See, it's really good. You could do them all at one time and that creates your cycle and balance much faster. Or you can do this, these, and then the next two weeks do another product and the next two weeks do another product if you wanted. But that seems like it stretches out. Oh, I do it all getting, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, just do it all together at one time, and, and then you can just sit back and watch them grow. Yeah, and, and but I, I was saying they do need, because a lot of people, when they hear the word hydrangea, mm-hmm. we're always immediately thinking of a more shaded environment. I mean, why yeah. not? We yeah. always are. So that's what I'm saying. Making sure that you put these new paniculata varieties, newer, mm-hmm. they actually need at least half a day sun to really perform the way they should. Oh, well, I guess it's time to go to a break, and then we can give you a little idea about some ways to plant, because a lot of times the way we planted, even if you added some good soil, mm-hmm. still not correct. We'll be right back. Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Garden. Hey, y'all got to give us a call, 260-5926. Go to Facebook Live. You can see us there and post the Mighty a question. 990. Yeah, the Mighty 990. Streaming 24-7 on the Mighty 990 app. And if you can't hear us all today, then go to our podcast. What do you mean if you can't hear us all today? Like is, there's nothing you, else to do. Well, that's true. That's more important. Right. But you know, like if your dog busts out the front door and he's not supposed to be outside and you got to chase him down, he'll come you know, back. then you can come back and listen. Yeah, he'll come. Yeah, they'll come back and act like they never left. Yeah. They look at you like you're the crazy one that's been going around the neighborhood trying to find me um, and I'm just back here in the fence. Yeah, thank God for dogs, right? <laughs> right. Did you know there were over 31 varieties of Encore Azaleas? Now there's 31? Yeah, yeah and you know, and, and I, when Encores first came on the market, I was like, I'm not too sure. Well, first mm-hmm. of all, it sounds great. Yeah. You have an azalea that blooms more than that one time 
uh, that traditional azaleas mm-hmm. bloom in the spring. Spring, you summer, know. and fall. Yeah. We're like, yes, but no. Well, it but can't now, happen. But, but yeah, I'm kind of like, I, they, I'm getting to like these it's encores. Working, yeah. So if you want a evergreen shrub, okay, that gives you azaleas. I mean, that's what they are. They're azaleas, but they give you more than that one bloom that we typically see in the spring. Like you just said, spring, summer, and fall. And there's so many different varieties to choose from now, so many different colors and so many different sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some that only get two, two and a half foot tall. There's some get six foot tall and everywhere in between. But for some reason, Vader, it was kind of like green ketchup. I just couldn't wrap my head around it when they first came out. Yeah. But now I'm seeing these things bloom around town. and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm really mm-hmm. starting to like these encores. And then I got to thinking, well, why did I not ever love them to start with? I don't know. Well, that was the same way. Because, what, what was that about? Because it wasn't, they were calling an, that an azalea, and it did not seem like an azalea. Should be blooming more than that one time, right? Right, right. I mean, so, and that was my thing. Why didn't they just call this something different? Because one thing is the encores bloom in the spring. Pretty good. Really? Yeah. In the summer, uh, some. And in the fall, just to Another me, great bloom. huge amount in the fall. That seems like how it works for me. So I'm thinking you need to have both because you can have that heavy bloom from the uh, traditional hydrangeas. Exactly. But what's that one difference? I, I can see you're wanting to say it. Well, they can take more sun. Yeah, the yes, yes. See? In fact, they really need more uh-huh. sun, Veda, than your old fashioned. Azaleas that we typically put in, you know, a lot of times a good bit of shade, right? Yeah, yeah. So Encore Azaleas, remember that one, guys. Over 31 varieties to choose from. Good and sun, like you <laughs> said, Vader, are high-filtered shade. Yeah. But they definitely need more sun than uh, the traditional Azaleas. But also keep this in mind. If you're going to plant Encores, they need consistent water throughout the growing season for the best blooms. Because think about this, insufficient moisture when the buds are forming in late spring and summer will diminish the flowering. So because we're getting this thing to bloom, the blooms drop off, but then they set more buds, you know, for summer, and then they set more buds and bloom for, for fall. So it is really important that you keep constant moisture on these Encorizeas, if you really want to get the, the good bloom that you're looking for, right. because the buds are not going to set. If these mm-hmm. things, you know, after spring bloom and you just walk away from them, never water them, you'll get a few sporadic blooms, but you're not going to get the full bloom potential that you can get unless you keep these things at a constant mm-hmm. moisture through yeah. the summer. Yeah, and that's, you know, really if you think about it, there's, we say, all these certain all these plants they can go on the dry side and still be okay but if you're wanting them to thrive and grow right. don't let them go so many times on the dry side yeah so yeah what you're saying is just the con because that's another thing about azaleas too is they do like the consistency of the moisture yeah because it like i said insufficient moisture when the buds are forming mm-hmm. you know in late spring and summer you're not going to get as many bloom and then one of the things were when do we prune encores if they bloom all the time? Am I going to have to lose still a season? But if you're pruning right after they bloom, then they're putting on their growth. 
or will they? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Say, so wait. Do they need a longer time to set their buds? But no, prune them after they bloom. After they bloom. Put some more growth on, set the buds, and but if you wait until say they bloom in the spring and then you decide to prune them in the middle of the summer, then you may be pruning the buds off for the summer blooms. Yeah. So, but but that's why we always say it's really important with so many different varieties. In this case, of encores out there. You do want to find the the variety, the color that you want, of course. Mm-hmm. Start with color, right? <laughs> yeah, and then you true. want to find the, you know, the size that you're looking for. You don't want to buy one that's going to get six foot tall and you're trying to keep it whacked down to three foot tall every year. Yeah, especially when there's already a three foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I guess they did when when it when they first came out. You know, some of the leaves were really dark green on mm-hmm. some of these varieties. Remember, like the old, old autumn rouge. Yes. You know, that, I think that was one of the initial encores to come on the market, and then they started bringing a few more on after that. And and some of the leaves just looked a little lighter green. Yes. Yes. And maybe I think that's what it was that I just you know that, that just makes sense. Yeah, because when. Oh, I cannot think of the name of it right now, but it had a little bit smaller, darker green leaves, and the stems had a different, like, were black. Love them. And that, I was like, okay, that's a really good-looking plant because it has so many attributes besides just the bloom. But it's funny how encores have been around for a long time now, and there are still people that would come in and go, was that an azalea I saw blooming? Mm -hmm. You know, and this is, yeah, in the summer, I was like, yes, it's, you know, one of these re-blooming type azaleas. Uh, and there are other ones out there other than Encore, but Encore is the one that's got the big name, of course. Man, remember when we would get the large loads of plants and the 18-wheeler yeah. would say, let me see your bloomers, yep. and it would be Encore. Yep. Yeah, because, you know, we were, I, that that was a catchy name. It worked, let me see your bloomers. And gosh, that was so long ago. But the 18-wheelers would just, the whole uh, trailer would be painted. You'd see azalea blooms and then... Encore azaleas, and then let me see your bloomers. I don't think they use that slogan anymore, but that was when it first started. <laughs> first came out, and there were like three varieties, and now there's over yeah. 30 different Gosh, varieties, which is crazy. And there's no garden center in America that's going to carry all 31 varieties, I promise you. Gosh, it's so mind-boggling on which ones to choose. Now, you were talking about why let's not uh, choose a five-foot hydrangea to go in a three-foot space. However... Sometimes that color yeah. doesn't come in a three-foot shrub. So you're going to plant that color, and you'll just keep it pruned. I know. That's, that's what people do, and, and I'm saying, I, you know, I wouldn't make that choice, but probably so because you've got your color coordination, and you don't want it to stand out against the color of your shutters or something like that. So then you're going to say, yep. I'll prune, yeah. but I can't have those clashing. But it's amazing. I mean, that caught my eye when I was like, 31 varieties out there now. 31. That is a lot. That really, truly is. Well, we didn't go over the planting, but we will definitely go over that when we come back. Plenty of time to give us a call at 260-5926. Um, and also go to our Facebook Live page. And we'll be back for our second hour with me and my friend, Kenneth. Yeah. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to the second hour of the Mid-South Gardening. I see the sun shining through the windows. You know what I just remembered when we were uh, at this uh, uh, other studio that, yeah. and you could see outside and you would always say because 
Oh, and I'll give you the weather report. The the weather weather window. window. Yeah, the squirrel. (laughs) And every Saturday, the squirrel, I mean, for years and years and years, that squirrel would walk across behind me because my back's to the window, and then you're looking out the window. So I would watch you watching that squirrel. But the weather window looks good. I'm looking out right now. Man, (laughs) the sun's coming up. It's going to be a decent day today. We know we got some hot weather coming up. Uh, next week, so people got to stay on guard. You know, well, we talked about 15 minutes about people watering. So right. hopefully, you know, you're taking notes and you will do that. And hopefully, you know how we'll look at the forecast and it's going to be this kind of weather and then a couple of days when it gets closer to it, it's like, oh no, we changed the weather completely. <clears throat> yeah, oh yeah. So though I'm still holding out for the two days that are like going to be 98 that as we get closer, it's going to be, oh, the weather pattern's changed, and it's not going to be that high. No doubt. But even what you said this morning, you were giving me the temperatures per day, there's still, that's better than what I was looking at yesterday. Oh, it went down a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. But see, that's what Every I was day hearing. did, yeah. 100, it was going to be 100, so now if we're at 98, 96, that's... That's somewhat better. But I guess we're going to cool down some at night. It's going to take it longer to get to that temperature. It does, because even in the mornings when you walk out, it feels Mm -hmm. great. In the afternoons, Veda, you know, almost nighttime, it feels great. So you you can feel it. You know, it's it's coming. Yeah. A couple of things, guys. If you want to give us a call, 260-5926. 260-5926. And, of course, you can go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text, which Audrey... Uh, fielding did she said what repels deer <laughs> uh, man just standing out in your garden every time you see one you <laughs> yell at it that's the only thing oh no i mean if you've so got so many yeah and, and you know deer are a big problem here in shelby county i mean there's a lot of deer here uh but audrey if you've got deer eating your landscape up uh, i think one of the better products is the shake away uh, you know, it's the coyote slash fox urine granulated mm-hmm. that you can sprinkle out there. I mean, deers have, you know, deers, is that right? Deer yeah. have very okay. sensitive noses. So, you know, they smell really well. And putting this granulated uh, urine out there, uh, you know, it's, that's why we use it. It's being used as a repellent. And I think that's been one of the better ones that you can use. And then the bonite repels all. Um, it's got a bunch of nasty stuff in it, you know, that you sprinkle out there. Smelling, nasty yeah. smelling To stuff. them, yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that helps repel them. Um, so I would, you know, if I had a deer problem, I, would, I think I'd start out with a repellent uh, and try it because, I mean, think about it. You know, fences aren't going to really work. They can jump over almost any mm-hmm. fence we have around here. Yeah, uh, and really, if they can get a, a running start, yeah. you know, they can definitely... You know, that's where I had heard, like, you do, which we're not going to do, but you do one fence, and then you put another fence up about six feet, eight feet away, because they'll get over, they can run and get over the one fence, yeah. but when they get in the middle, they can't run to yeah. get over the next. And, 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 you know, in a in a big pasture rural setting, you know, I get that, but in our mm-hmm. backyard, we're not going to do that, right, you know, right. yeah, I don't really know. Yeah. So I would start out with a uh, something like a shake away, put some of that out there. Uh, if you get some heavy rains, which we don't ever around here, you know, you <laughs> want to come back and reapply. But uh, so, Audra, try the uh, the repellent and see how far that takes you. And uh, then we were going to talk about the planting procedure because, you know, we had 
talked earlier about some plants in the ground and they weren't really taking off growing fast enough maybe more fertilizer compost right. root stimulator and all that would help yeah because tom called about the, the little lime hydrangea yeah. and it really just didn't do anything this year and this was the first growing season for mm-hmm. it so yeah. yeah you're talking about beta. so now i mean this isn't saying this is what he did but it just carries on the conversation of the planting procedure and we really one of the reasons why we dig the hole wider than the original root ball is to have good soil closest to the roots mm. so the roots can instead of trying to go in a circle in a hard pan soil they can reach out into the good soil I mean, don't you always when you're planting a tree or a shrub always 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 the general rule of thumb is dig that hole just as deep as the root ball but twice as wide yeah always, always. <laughs> unless i'm cheating yeah and in a hurry and then yeah. you're always always going to amend that clay soil mm-hmm. you better anyway yeah, you're just taking out the soil adding adding remember y'all adding other amendments with that clay and breaking yeah, it up you're taking out some but you're you're not replacing your native soil you're amending mm-hmm. that soil yeah because if it's all if all your clay's gone then then you've got too much drainage yeah and it doesn't hold like the sand like a sandy soil or real real lightweight soil the water will pass through it quickly and no nutrients will be held because there's nothing for that, the microorganisms to bond with. And, and I know there's the a clay. million different things that you can work into our clay soil to improve the drainage, whether it's just simple soil conditioner, which is nothing more than ground up pine bark, mm-hmm. uh, topsoil, which is a bark based soil, it's got some sand and soil in it, any kind of compost, whether it's the cotton burr compost, the cotton burr blend the earthworm mm-hmm. castings, the manures, any kind of compost you can work into your uh, your soil, and even some of the garden soils, you know, right. that are mixed, blended soils. Any of those are a combination of those, but you do want to amend that clay and then put the, the root, mm-hmm. you know, take it out of the pot, of course. <laughs> Why don't we say that? <laughs> Set it down in the hole, put the good dirt around it, and I always also like to have a half an inch, even up sometimes even up to an inch, of the root ball sticking up out of the ground. And then I can pull that dirt up, up to that level. Mm -hmm. So I'm always planting the root ball just a little high, a little above grade. But all of that is for the drainage. That's why we Mm -hmm. do that. You know, one thing is if you are are planting and your root ball's really tight at the top too, top level, you can actually break some of the roots up at that top level. Because it seems like it's crusty and it's been in the container for a while, and you're setting it down into the yeah. the hole, and then you see the the top sticking out of the ground, which we're trying to do. But you can break that up a little bit yeah. to mix the other compost in with it as you're raising it above the root system. And the other thing, also, we were talking about encore azaleas, but even azaleas in general. That is about the only root ball that I want to cut with a knife. In other words, mm-hmm. when I take an azalea out of the pot, azaleas are very fibrous rooted. And you're going to see that that root ball is going to really be the same shape as the pot you took it out of. <laughs> It'll okay? even have the indentions <laughs> of the, the ridges pot. In yeah. it. So you do want to get a knife, go in there about half an inch, quarter inch, and slice it straight down about three different mm-hmm. times around that root ball. And there again, azaleas are the only one, Veda, that I can even think of that you'd really want to cut the root ball mm-hmm. like that before you set it in the ground, put the dirt around it. Now, I don't mind on small bedding plants to kind of pull the root system out a little bit. But for the most part, when, I've, when I get a shrub out of a pot, 
other than, like you said, roughing up the top a little bit, I'm trying my best to keep the dirt and the roots intact just like they are right. when I take it out of the container because I don't want this thing to go through any more transplant shock than it typically has to, yeah. right? Right. And then when you see them root-bound real tightly, those are like normally the big feeder roots. And so if we're cutting those roots that are root-bound, right. That's going to be okay because you're still going to have all those roots on the inside of it because you'll take it out and you'll just see a white root. And it's usually first it's went up to the top to get air and then it circles around the top. So when you plant it, that root's still growing in that circle and then it chokes out the plant as it gets bigger. So you can... uh, pull those off or even cut some of the long roots off. I've even had where you take it out of a bucket and all the roots are really tight at the bottom. Yeah, if they're root if they're root bound like that, you yeah. want to do something before you, can, you stick yeah. it down in the soil. But traditionally, except for the azaleas, yeah. like you say, traditionally when you're going to take them out of the container, they're not going to be one big huge root right. ball. And so then if you kind of break it up a little bit, that's fine. But can you imagine living somewhere where all you have to do is dig a hole and plant a plant and not do all that soil prep? You mean like I don't have to go to the garden center and buy 10 bags of stuff? Yeah, I mean, but can you imagine you having know. that? type of soil but you know we are blessed to have clay though i'm telling you this is true because clay really holds a lot of nutrients a lot of Mm -hmm. minerals i mean it holds it it doesn't just flush right through it so i can't imagine what that would be like to go down like in the delta we had that beautiful soil down there even some up across the river in arkansas some of that beautiful soil there because it's like okay if you're going to plant a couple of plants that and you're so you've got to get your soil which takes away from your plant money. But, but, you here, better, but if you're in other areas, you, can't you get skip to on, just buy plants, plants, plants. You can't skimp on the soil, You can't. Though. You just can't. I mean, you just can't. <laughs> and, and, and we'll even take it a little further. You can't even skimp on potting soil. You know, there's some, you can go mm-hmm. get a $2 bag of potting soil. Knock yourself out, okay? Because yeah. you're going to be buying plants every other day to put back in that <laughs> pot. Get a good, high-quality potting yeah. soil when you're planting things in containers. So we're going to go to a break. Call us 260-5926 or post a question on Facebook Live. Good morning and welcome back, gardeners, to the Mid-South Gardening. Kenneth will be back in a minute. I don't know where he ran off to. Maybe he's going to get me some coffee. He's like, come on, Veda, wake up. So... Some of the other things we were going to, we talked about the planting, which we're going into with the composting and, and how our soil can revert back to just hard pan soil. Because when you dig it out, it's all fluffy and looks nice, you know. Now, there are some plants that we have a product for. It's called Enlighten or Permatil. Yeah, soil or Soil Perfector. Yeah. yeah is the, so, actually, I think it's only Soil Perfector and Enlighten now. And that is a like a rock almost like a lava rock yeah like a lava rock that you can mix in with your clay soil and it helps the drainage even you still have to have the compost and all but it mm-hmm. helps the drainage even more and those that's something that autoleucan laurels would like <sighs> dogwoods and cherry trees or just general really hard pan soil you know so many things and i don't know why do we say this also veda is when you plant this you better make sure you've got good drainage I'm going to just quit saying that. Everything that we plant around here, you better have good drainage. And you know what? That just reminded me of when you said that about how uh, 
way back, some of the options people would come up with would be to put a pipe <laughs> at the bottom of the hole. <laughs> they so would the shove water, a pipe down. Yeah, so the water could drown out, you know, like you watered it and then it would drain out. So they'd have a pipe in the very bottom of the hole and then they would have rock and then they would put the soil in, but uh-uh. then they forgot to make the hole bigger no. or, yeah. So that was, I remember that happening yeah. a very long time ago. Yeah, but but like you mentioned, Otto Luke and Laurel's dog was in cherry trees. I mean, there are a few plants out there that they got to have exceptional drainage, right? Everything else, I guess, has got to have good drainage. But I remember my mother-in-law, when she uh, moved into this house, this was years ago, and she had a, uh, a forsythia on this, in the side yard up next to a fence. Uh, mm. And, you know, the thing kept slowly dying. It wasn't dying overnight, but it kept yeah. slowly dying. Oh, just like every once in a while there'd be a dead yeah, limb. Yeah, dead limb here, dead limb there. And finally she said, you know, the thing limb, really started limb, dying. Where limb, limb. Well, it turned out she she would run that sprinkler system, and, you know, and that side would stay a lot more wet than the other side, the other side yard. Veda, when I pulled this thing out of ground, it had a sucking sound. Ew. It was so much clay wet. I mean, it was like pulling it out of a marsh. So that was kind of overwatered, no drainage. <laughs> no drainage. Was it smelly or did oh, it, it was, get to that yeah, point? Just, yeah, it was sour soil. I mean, it was, you couldn't grow a stick in there, I'm telling you. So it was, it was just one of those things where, you know, whoever planted that plant there didn't take a second to prep the soil mm-hmm. whatsoever. I yeah. mean, it was just in pure, straight clay soil. And it stuck around for a year, year and a half, because, you know, in the summertime, it was mm-hmm. pretty dry and didn't stay as wet as it did. Yeah. But I remember pulling that thing, getting a shovel, pulling that thing out of the ground, and I swear it made a sucking sound. Wait I again. Mean, what shrub was that again? It was a forsythia. You can't oh. kill forsythias hardly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I know. And that's one of the things that we tell people to, to figure out. If it is too wet, you know, when you just pull it out. Like I, I tell them, bring the shrub in and I can take a look. At the roots. Yeah, at the roots. But easily said, if the roots are black, and or if you can, like you can take a root and, and pull on that root. Yep, with your finger and yeah, thumb. And that outer layer will slough right off. Oh, That's just, over water. Yep, oh. Yeah. Now you can see uh, brown roots are underwater. And white roots, of course, are where you want it to be. And there are times when we do get plants into diagnose and everything looks perfect. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, but that's where, you know, we tell people, you know, root stimulators, any plant that looks uh, weakened or, or anemic uh, or, you know, it's been too dry at one time or even too wet at one time. Uh, that's where the kangaroo roots, the root stimulators, the seaweeds, those type of products come in really handy. Just all you do is mix them with water and saturate that root ball. And I tell people all the time, Veda, do it once a week for a month. Uh, you can do it longer than that. You're never going to hurt a root system with a root stimulator right, ever, okay? Right. But if you're doing it this time of year, mix that product with water, pour it on the root system once a week for a month now. And then come back in early March and do it again because, you know, having a good root system, of course, is the key to success when it comes to your plants and shrubs, to your trees and shrubs. Right. So, yeah, try that Enlighten or that um, Soil Perfector. It's like kiln fire. Kiln. How do you say? Yeah, like an oven. Kilned, fired. That's an oven. Kiln. I know. Let's just go with the oven. Yeah, just stick your rock in the oven, oven and you're good. Yeah, so it's an uh, expanded shell and it helps aerate the clay soil and loosen it. But you still want to, because I would 
have my own soil, have my soil mix. Like, okay, there I've dug my hole. All the soil that came out of the hole is like on a sitting beside it. I would take my compost, mix that in real good. And then I would take the shale and actually mix that in yeah. with all the soil. Yeah. Maybe put a little bit on the bottom, but you want that shell mixed in your mixture. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, the only time that you would ever dig a hole and line the hole with this product is mm-hmm. if, like, if you were planting hostas and you're trying to keep yeah. the, the voles, you know, off of uh-huh. the root system, a lot of people would buy that product as a barrier, if you mm-hmm. will, for voles, especially if they were planting hostas. And you know they'll eat that. hostas up. Yeah. So it also acts as a good barrier for voles. But in that case, like I said, you just dig your hole. Mm-hmm. You you basically line the hole with this product because yeah. they don't want to dig through that product yeah, to get to sides that, and all to get to that great root system mm-hmm. on these wonderful hostas that you have gone out and planted, and of course the voles, the V O L E S, always go for the most expensive hostas mm-hmm. right off the bat. Don't know how they know it. They do. They just must taste better. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's all it does act as a good vole repellent. Mm-hmm. Now this year in particular, I guess with COVID, you know, two years ago and. Uh, the supply chain, it was a little hard to get this year, yeah. uh, the Espoma Soil Perfector. Now, hopefully next year, you know, it would be more available. Mm-hmm. Uh, bec- I mean, it's a great product, not yeah. only, like you said, Veda, to really permanently uh, condition okay. your soil, but also as a as a vole barrier. Yeah, and we were lucky or lucky to have a number of pallets in stock so we've made it through yeah. <laughs> this time but and the name the one the name we have is enlightened and so it seems to get the most conversation yeah. of of our whole row of shrub or pl- soils are like now what is enlightened yeah. you know kind of looking at like i'm good you're gonna enlighten me on how to do <laughs> soil prep but yeah, look for Enlighten or did have y'all gotten the Soil Perfector yet? Yeah, I mean we've we've gone it gotten it on and off yeah uh, all year. But I mean the last time we ordered from the local distributor here mm-hmm. in town, I mean they were completely yeah. out. Didn't know when they're going to get That's it back. That's so in. many of the things still. Yeah, go to order and you've got it's you put you still now it's just like this even in the industry you can put it in your shopping cart. So I'm like, oh, I'm ordering all this great stuff to stock our garden center with, and you go to the uh, shopping cart out, out, well, out, yeah, and it oh. was never, never, ever, no. ever like that in the no. past, you know. No, but I did mention the little varmint, the little big tooth mean little monster of the the vole the v-o-l-e the big tooth yeah i just can see them you know all you see is teeth on these things you know they look like a little mouse they look harmless but they with a big tooth i guess but they'll eat the roots right off of your plants that's where the difference a mole a m-o-l-e a mole he's just digging around in your yard looking for worms and grubs you know no, no, no people big deal. are wanting to scoop them out of the hole and popping them on me the too head. i want to do the same thing uh-huh. baby, because they're just tearing up my yard but they're looking for mole uh, for grubs and worms with well, that little mouse looking thing that that vole mm-hmm. that's the little bugger that's eating the roots off of your plants and i don't care if it's a rose a camellia a bed they'll eat roots off of basically anything big tree yeah anything Just, isn't that amazing yes yes and if, you, if you've got one you probably got a hundred out there yeah. but hostas are there it's the caviar to a vole mm-hmm. okay and if you've got voles or have a vole problem and think you do and you see the little quarter-sized holes out there the little telltale sign holes out there uh you can get uh you know a you can get a repellent called Mole Max, which is a mole and vole repellent, which is nothing more than castor oil, right? You mm-hmm. can sprinkle that out there, water it in, and hopefully push them out of that area. 
or you can get the old-fashioned wooden mouse traps. Bait it with a piece of a pecan and set it out there by one of the little holes or in the hosta bed. But you do want to cover the trap with a pot. You, can you do peanut butter too? You well, you can put a little. Yeah, you. you well, I mean, I'm telling you, pecans. I the know best. they They're work. They're the best. Okay. You could probably put a little peanut butter down and push the little piece of pecan on it. <laughs> you know, so the peanut butter's there is kind of like the glue, right? <laughs> the gourmet. Yes. So and and you can snap them little heathens, you know, that way. Um, and then, of course, you know, there used to be the old smoke bombs you could put down mm-hmm. in the tunnels. But I'm telling you, the repellent mold max. Uh, it, it 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 does a good job in repelling and the traps for people that they don't want to just push them away. They want to get rid of these things. But voles, V-O-L-E-S, they can be a big-time problem in your landscape if you don't yeah. get rid of them. I would rather have a mole than a vole. I would, too. Yeah, much easier to work with. And, you know, holes in the ground, like the quarter size, is a, can be a vole. But, you know, those um, wolf spiders... They put holes in the ground, and too. And chipmunks and cicadas and cicada killers. Everything puts a hole in the you ground. I know it. Okay, y'all, we're going to be right back to talk about more holes in the ground. <laughs> and if y'all have questions, 260-5926. Yeah. Good morning. Welcome back, gardeners. Welcome to Mid-South Gardening. Glad y'all are joining us. And yeah, if you want to give us a call, 260. I was trying to get, get see what that music that Philip was playing. 260 And of course, Veda, you can always go to the Mighty 990 Facebook page and shoot us a text. And if you miss all of that, kwamradio.com, uh, you can, you can listen us. to the podcast and also man, download the 990 app and you can find that at 990.com so all the wonderful things Just, going on at KWAM. right so you know that um there's a warning sign on this island to watch out for chickens <laughs> feral chickens have been chasing um people through their yards it's got to be uh, hawaii destroying property uh all running around the neighborhood at four in the morning doing their thing it's in the united kingdom but it it was on an island and it was just a few chickens had were left there or around not left there but they were brought in yeah so it was just a few and then yeah and then look what those two turned into no predators yeah that was the thing no predators and so they their population just blew up to where they you're you're like i'm not going outside the chickens are out there my daughter was in maui uh, about Mm -hmm. two months ago and she said you would not believe the amount of chickens and roosters that really? are on that. Yeah, in and I was Maui. Like, yes. You wouldn't think that. Because someone had brought them over, you know, to yeah. the island. I didn't see that on the travel channel. And she and she's and where they were staying, they were kind of like in a rural area in, mm-hmm. in a house. And you did not need an alarm clock to get you oh, up. Wow. The roosters would do it for you. And she, and I was like, in Hawaii? Yeah. She's like, yes, they're everywhere on this thought, particular island i know you think oh it'd be the dolphins waking me up yeah not a chicken. roosters, <laughs> roosters. <laughs> i do like that that sound of roosters in the morning telling you to get up but doesn't that happen though with and it happens with insects it happens with plants and it happens with you know critters like chickens mm-hmm. i mean think about you know when kudzu was brought over kudzu was brought over they had the right thing in mind they wanted a very fast growing uh, exotic plant, not from here, not native, that would control erosion. 
So they planted this kudzu, and it all worked out initially just fine. It did a great job in covering the land. No erosion. Well, then it started taking over trees and houses and fences and everything else. And now, to this day, we're still trying to get rid of it. Right. It's just part of our landscape now, and you know it's going to creep up on your home if you don't do something about it quickly. Yeah, and it's just because it loved it. The weather here so much more. Was it from Japan? Yeah. Yeah, so much more. Isn't that amazing? But all of these exotics, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the flying carp, you know, the hornet, you know, the killer hornets. Uh, I mean, the Asian scale yeah. uh, that's on the crate myrtles now. I mean, you know, when we bring in, when something's introduced here uh, that doesn't have initially any, like you said, natural predators, they, they just explode. Mm-hmm. They take over. Right. That's why we have to go out there with our insecticides and kind of, uh-huh. you know, level things yeah. out a little bit. You right. know, Right. Yeah, because we do. We'll get well. For instance, a wolf spider is a natural predator. Yeah. But we and they're actually kind of cool pets. They don't hurt you. And you know, they may try to bite if they're very, very scared, but they're mellow. They're a nice little pet, but they eat insects and, and beetles and anything centipedes and anything on the ground, you know, yeah. they're, they're roly polies. Yeah, roly polies. They can take care of lots of insects. But when we see one, we want to squish it. Just like a snake. Yeah. Just like a lizard. Right. So we keep killing all these things that are scary to us, which then the population gets off balance. Because, like, you know, you're thinking, why do I have all these critters in my uh, flower beds and all? And it's because we're killing the spiders and the snakes and, I tell you and what, the, the geckos, that they're yeah. the ones that take care of that. And, and, and let, me see, let me tell you this. Animals and insects are not stupid, okay? Case to point, mm-hmm. let's say if you cut your back porch light on every night. If you go out there at some types of sometimes of the night, you're going to find the frog right there up under the light, okay? What's he waiting on? Well, he's waiting on the bugs that are going to the light, <laughs> You know, he's not in the backyard, in the corner of the backyard right. where there's probably not a bug one. Mm-hmm. He's up under that light, okay? Yeah, so, that, so, so he's under there eating all the bugs that fall but out. Said, they, they figure out where the insects are. Spiders do the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, I've got a, a holly up under a light there again that stays on every night. Well, the spiders will set up shop in that holly, and there will be little webs in there. And, I, you know, I know why they're in there, mm-hmm. because that's where all the insects are. Yeah. You know, now how does a spider make its way over there and put it? Why does he put his web right there where it <laughs> needs to be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, great thoroughfare for yeah, this. I mean, yeah. a dumb, I shouldn't say dumb. Maybe I'm the one that's dumb. The spider, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they know, <laughs> they were saying they're, they figure it out. They're not, they know where to go to find these insects. That's crazy. And like the wolf spider, <laughs> they don't make webs, they have holes in the ground. And then they've got like, it looks like an inverted or funnel type of web, yeah. which is actually... Almost like a tornado. Yeah, yeah. And spider <laughs> webs are incredibly strong. I mean, they, they make, they've learned they're strong enough to do make Kevlar, Kevlar out yeah. of them. Um, yeah, and that then, silk is Yeah, it's just incredibly strong. And then... Um, Make the silk strong enough to catch it, strong enough to catch it and hold a bug. Yeah, yeah, this that is true. Think about that, but also 
The hummingbirds use the spider webs because nest. of how strong they are for their nest. So if you're killing the spider, therefore there's no spider web, therefore there's no webbing for the hummingbird to make a nest, therefore <laughs> those new, no new baby hummingbirds. Well, and, and Vady, you're putting this on a small scale. If you're going yeah. out there like people used to do, uh, and some people still do, but I think more people are aware, and spray, when people would go out there, let's say they sprayed their... Uh, azaleas for lace bug, okay? And we'll bring that up later on. But lace bug are, are a problem this time of year on azaleas. Mm-hmm. Not only would they spray their azaleas, they'd go ahead and spray their hollies and their crepe myrtles, maybe their lawn and everything else that was in their landscape just because they had lace bug on their azaleas, mm-hmm. okay? Well, yeah, I mean, you're killing any potential bad bug that's out there, but you're also killing every beneficial bug that's out there. Yeah, and then sometimes you're not think. say, for instance, in the garden center. I have a row of azaleas that are on the uh, back side right. of the fence. And I saw, and then they've put on some new growth, some tall, That's like right. almost where you kind of want to prune it off to make. And so you I, can, by yeah, the way. Yeah. yeah. And so I saw on the end where it was starting to get some uh, lace bug damage. Mm-hmm. So what I did immediately was first check. They weren't, the irrigation wasn't adequately hitting them. They were getting the moisture, but not enough. You're figuring out why am I getting lace yeah. bug on these azaleas? Because you know that if a plant is weak or anemic for whatever reason, especially azaleas, yeah. typically they are more prone to lace bug damage than not. Right. Yeah, you know? so first they were being underwatered, underwatered really. Yeah. Have to stay. Then the shrubs, I, I spread them out just a little bit more so the irrigation could work down in it. Root stimulator, um, which has a seaweed in it, and some plant tones. Mm-hmm. Instead of, and I know some people are like, "Well, you just should sprayed," but that doesn't solve anything, especially when you're in a container. So we're spreading them out, watering them more, giving them some nutrients. The just a little bit of start of lace bugs that I had just stopped. Yeah, and every, you know everything's greening up. So a lot of times it's just the environment. Well, and you're right. If you've got, and, and people should go out there and check their landscape. But if you do see a lace bug damage on azaleas, and a lot of times you see it late in the summer when they're more stressed than they are going to be for the rest of the year. Uh, and, you know, it looks like where the leaf of the uh, azalea is just kind of washed out. You know, all the green has been sucking out. Been that's, sucked out and of that's it. pretty intense it damage It is. There. And you can see a lot of damage on azaleas. But, Vader, you're right. If you do have lace bugs, yes, you can go out there and spray with a systemic insecticide. But like you said, feed with holytone, plantone, melorganite now. Come back in spring and do it again because... Yeah, you can spray to kill the lace bug, but then you got to figure out why am I getting lace mm-hmm. bug to start with? Right, and and like you just mentioned too, if it's covered, I've seen them just where the azaleas are almost white. Yes, you you are going to have to bump up and go to a systemic, and even probably because systemic's going to take a minute to get through the system. So we could still spray like uh, all seasons oil, neem. Uh, now that it's getting cooler. Yeah, now it's getting You could spray something to start some immediate control, but still put that systemic and still figure out why. Like, for instance, front of a house, all the azaleas were great, but one azalea kind of, the bed kind of curved to where it was around the corner where the sun was getting and, just and, that one. And you're right. Old-fashioned azaleas that are getting way too much sun, you're going to get lace bug, yeah. period. Yeah, so I, I said, I'm just not going to put another azalea there. It's at the end. 
It's kind of at a corner. So let me just put an accent specimen. Put a YJ something. or something over yeah. there, you know? Yeah, yeah, something that can take the condition. And then we don't have to worry about the lace bug thing again. Exactly. Yeah, Instead so. of fighting that battle every mm-hmm. year, because you would be. Yeah, because it's no fun to, to, as the season begins, to start dreading what you're going to have to do. <laughs> Right, right. Other than that. All right. We're going to take a break. And, um, you know, y'all need to post some questions on Facebook Live or give us a call 260-5926. But if not, Kenneth, I always have garden stuff to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see you in a minute. (laughs) Good morning and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. So more topics on you know, next um, next next Saturday, we're going to have Wesley Hopper on the show. He's known as the Tree Whisperer. Oh, he's a great actually. guy. Yeah, a lot. He's been in our Mid South community. He's just known for trees. We've um, had Wesley on uh, the Garden Show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah we sure have. So we're going to have him. I mean, he's definitely an arborist. He looks <laughs> at trees in a, in a different kind of like you know we do more into the soul of the tree instead of the just general terms of what everybody's kind of basically learned. Oh, yeah, and he reminds me, I was talking to a customer, and honestly, you know, I told you about the the the, the lady had a house, and she had a mm-hmm. complete shaded landscape, okay? Well, her neighbors moved that were beside her. Mm-hmm. Before the new neighbors moved in, they had 13 trees cut down, Gosh. okay? So it affected the lady that I was talking to, her landscape. I mean, mm-hmm. overnight, it went from a beautiful shaded landscape to a blazing sun. That is so landscape. sad. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. Uh, but I was. it's funny how I was talking, you're talking about the soul of a tree. I was talking to a lady the other day, and she had, her neighbor was cutting a big, massive oak tree down. And I get it. People have the right to cut any tree down yeah. they want. But she was almost in tears because she remembers that was the tree that her and her sister played in when oh. it was still small enough for them mm-hmm. to play in it. And she it it was almost like reminiscing, yeah. you know. Uh you know, we see plants and we reminisce. We see, you know, we eat foods that we reminisce. We hear music that we reminisce. Well this tree, even though it was an oak tree in her neighbor's yard, just mm-hmm. a typical oak tree that her neighbor was taking down, it made her think yeah. that this was a part of her life because the tree yeah. was still there. And it, you know, it was a part of her life when they were young kids. Oh, man. Isn't that amazing? It is. I mean, I understand. <laughs> so you're talking about the soul of a tree, yeah. you know? Well, it's like yeah. um, my dad, granddad, they had the same property from like 1915 or something like that. And I moved around a whole lot, but that yeah. they were still there. Yeah. So every time you went back, there was the tree that you had your oh, swing yeah, that, on. Oh, yeah, that was your anchor right there. Yeah, this you is know? where my cousins and I climbed up in the tree and got the yeah. green apples and started throwing them at my, the boy cousins and um, all those memories. And yeah. then when you sell, when everybody passes away and you sell the property, you feel like and then they you get a bulldoze around there it. and level this thing and put know. a you know a structure there where nothing is there uh-huh. that used to be. Yeah, I yeah, get it, it you hurts. Know? Well, now that the 
person that moved into it has left everything the same. Uh. And so I, I, I feel like I can just drive up in the yard and walk in the front door and go, hey. So uh. that, see, that's where the pass along plant comes yeah. from. Yeah. But you mentioned Wes Hopper. He'll be in the studio next Saturday. And then the Saturday after that, yeah, our good friend Cliff, uh, the irrigation the, doctor. Yeah, thanks. So what's his name? Irrigation doctor. He'll go over some irrigation stuff. And we may have a few more guests. But for sure, yeah. we've got the Wes Hopper and Cliff. Yeah, that'd the, be great, Veda. Yeah, it sure will be. And something that I saw so strange, I didn't see it, um, but the innovation all over the world's crazy. And sometimes I'm wondering why. Why are we not doing this over here? But this one was kind of, was different. I haven't really decided, and I think it might work. It was in Poland, and it's a train. Yeah. But in the train. Um, over the seats where like you would usually see light bars maybe yeah over the seats are house plants what? draping and really beautiful on and a then, train on a train and then in the middle aisle above us the walkway yeah. yeah there would there was a whole rack of house plants i mean yeah. they they weren't built they were built in modules to make it work on the train so so when you let's say this train in Poland you're talking about you you walk into in there mm-hmm. and you sit down in your seat. Yeah. Well, you've got a window right there, okay? Like yeah. any other train would have, but you're saying above you the ceiling mm-hmm. it was really house plants, house plants. Ferns, trailing stuff. Say like on an airplane where you put all your luggage above you in that little thing, we'll convert that a little bit smaller into a house plant holder. All right, question then. So this sounds more like an older train it, than it would be a new, new, it's a modern. new, really? new modern. It so kind I was of, thinking just the opposite. Right, yeah, you would think it'd be nostalgic looking and right. all. But it's it's a new train plant pod. It looks so futuristic, you know, how we used to look in I bet you there's not many of those out there. No, and I don't know if it was an experiment or if they're going to start doing it more and more. But the whole thing is, is plants, they do refresh in the air and all, but they do so much for our our soul and our mind and to relax and our breathing. I mean, so much. And so we are learning to incorporate plants in ways we've never thought about. Well, people are also, I mean, in our lifetime, Mm-hmm. You know, and we're, we're relatively hundred years old. old. <laughs> <laughs> they did. There, people are buying house plants like they have never in their life bought before, or in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is. It's a industry that has exploded, and it, I don't think it's ever going to go back. No, people are adding on to garden centers for the house plants. Now and now, some people, and I've talked to people that have two or three hundred house plants yeah. in their. Apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. honestly. So, I mean, and people are having a lot of fun with them. I mean, so there's a reason. I mean, we're bringing this this green material indoors, mm-hmm. you know. Now, I get it. People in apartments and condos and, and, you know, people that spend a lot of time, they might work from home. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't get outside as much as other people do. So, okay, I'll bring this stuff inside to where I am. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. And I can't, you know, imagine that a train like you're talking about. Yeah, with all the plants on that. But it would feel so good. It was like I was talking about my patio. 
if um, and I look at other people's patios, but on my patio, turn them into green spaces. Yeah, mm-hmm. when I cleaned, okay, we had the green space on the patio, and then the whole painting episode was ha- happening. This is on the balcony, actually. Whole painting episode was happening where I had to take everything off the balcony. So you would go outside and. S- Stand on the balcony. No plants, no chairs, no light. Very sterile, you know. Yeah, Yeah. and you're standing there, and you're not feeling it, and the sun's hotter, and there's no movement. (laughs) No. And you're you're going, well, no reason no one goes on the And then you go back inside, and, you know, your curtains pulled, and Mm -hmm. you can see the patio. All you see is the metal rail And the reflection off the concrete. And, yeah, because you look out your window when you're walking past the patio and you might catch a hummingbird getting the flower. You might catch the wind moving ornamental grass, and it just gives you a breath of fresh air. So it I was have to agree so, with that. And it was such an intense difference on with plants and without plants. Because look what I just described. You're either going to walk by your window and see concrete, mm-hmm. or you're going to walk by your window and see birds and hummingbirds and wind chimes. Yeah. And this is just on a small mm-hmm. space. Yeah, and then, you know, buildings are doing this now. Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of buildings that have, you know, green roofs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's a, on the third floor, you know, and let's say it's a yeah. six-story building. But on the third floor, you've got a green area. Mm-hmm. Um, Fantastic! Oh, and then in certain areas they're doing it on top of the bus stops. Yes, yeah, yeah. And or in the medians, they're starting to build uh, places for bees and birds and all that traveling. They can stop and get some more food because all of a sudden all they're doing is flying over uh, concrete. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're making oases. And thank goodness, you know, that we hopefully will always have green space, okay? And I get it in the the city areas. You know, they're trying their best to incorporate, most of them are, uh, green areas, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's a small park, whether it's, you know, green roofs like you're talking about, Veda. Uh, So, you know, that is a win-win. But we hope that we never get to a situation where the green spaces are gone. Yeah. You know. Right. And— and I think that's one of the points of us trying to figure out how you grow green in the city, you know, make it more lush using our spaces. You know, for instance, now if you put large trellises on the side of a three-story building or what have you, all the way across and let the vines grow up, you may not can plant a tree, but the vines will grow up and shade the, the building. All right, we're going to have another hour to go, so we'll look forward to talking to you after this break. The garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. Good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the Mid-South Gardens. I'm Veda with Palladio. Yes, you are, and I'm Kenneth with Dan West Garden Centers. And Veda in the Garden Centers, what's been going on at Palladio's? Yeah, trying to keep plants watered. Yep. But getting our shrubs in, perennials in. We haven't, I haven't gotten annuals in yet. So I get them locally, and our local growers, you know, grow on our sure. weather terms. So it's taking a, uh, they're usually not ready till October, but um, just every, you can plant everything trees. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like we've got um, ginkgos and Chinese fringe trees and maples. And I know y'all are doing the yeah, same. Same thing. You know, annuals are coming in, you know, the, the pansies, the violas, the ornamental peppers. 
uh, the cabbage, the kale, you know, perennials like mm-hmm. you mentioned, trees and shrubs. But you mentioned ginkgo, all right? Because let me say this real quick. <sighs> An ornamental tree, think about this, to me is a tree that doesn't get massive, Okay. Right. That's what I it's think. It's an ornamental too. tree, like a mm-hmm. Japanese maple yeah. or a purple leaf plum or maybe a fringe tree, mm-hmm. those type of trees. Well, I was talking to a customer the other day, and he had a tree, uh, a, a bald cypress, out of all things, cut down, and he had the knees ground out of his yard, okay? <laughs> so he had the bald cypress cut down, then ground the knees. And then they were grinding okay. the knees also. Right. And that's the reason he got rid of this thing, because the knees were coming up, Okay. So he said, I'm going to plant an ornamental tree like a ginkgo. And it made me think, he's thinking, a lot of people would think that a ginkgo is an ornamental tree because it grows so slow. Mm, Okay? Gotcha. I mean, it's not truly an ornamental tree. Now, it doesn't get massive like an oak tree does. It's tall, but not hugely wide. No. So, I mean, mean, it is a, you know what we think about ginkgos, I love them. But I also think that, Trees that grow really slow, like a ginkgo, uh, you would kind of think that would be an ornamental mm-hmm. tree. I know. They, I feel the same. <laughs> I mean, I didn't sit there and say, no, that's not an ornamental. I said, you know, they're one of the prettiest trees you could ever plant when it comes to, especially that fall color. Uh, and I love ginkgos. one of the prettiest trees out there. But it, it just kind of made me think that, you know, could we call that an ornamental tree? You know, I guess we yeah. could. I know, because it's so <laughs> ornamental. The leaves are incredibly butter-like yellow, and they have such a historic, um, oh, yeah. they, prehistoric I mean, shape. Yeah. Because they are prehistoric trees. Are. The ginkgo leaf is used in um, paintings and designs, and it's just such a nice, soothing tree. And it you does can find feel, the fossilized leaves of ginkgos from... You know, yeah. a million years ago. Oh, I would love to have a fossil, a rock. With yeah, ginkgo. Yeah, that would be so cool. I'm sure there are those, that's for sure, especially as ancient as they are. But again, they, they'll grow slow, but they're still more upright because uh, I don't ever see them humongously. Yeah. You could have it in a small front yard. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah. so I guess you could call that more of an ornamental right. type tree. Yeah. To me, I guess anything that doesn't get as big as an oak, Right, right. Yeah. It is not. Yeah, it's ornamental. Yeah, because we do the cherry trees, the weeping peach trees. Oh, yeah, the crab apples and the, you know, the, the fringe. Yeah, and the, the fringe. You know, all those types of trees. Snow bell. I'm yeah. thinking of all the ones. Of course, Japanese maples. Right. Vitex. The Love chase vitex. You can vitex. tree form it. Yes, you've got <clears throat> to have a chase vitex, y'all. If you're wanting blooms and summer blooms, chase vitex tree. Wow. So anyway, but it made me think, you know, all right, this is thing. Is it ornamental? Yeah, just mm. because it grows so slow. Yeah. Um, and we had a texter on the uh, Mighty 990 Facebook page, Walter Hughes, which is a great guy. I love Walter. I haven't seen him in a long time. But Walter said, can you spread dimension pre-emergent on dwarf Mondo? We were going to talk about pre-emergence this morning. I mean, the beauty of this particular pre-emergent, but as you know, is a granulated product. Usually comes in a 12-pound bag or 36-pound bag. But let's just say a 12-pound bag that covers about 3,000 square feet. The beauty of this pre-emergent, which people are putting down now, is you can put it in your lawn, of course, and you can also sprinkle it in your beds. And that includes beds that have ground covers. So yes, Walter, if you've got uh, Dwarf Mondo out there, you can, you can ap- most definitely apply dimension to this Dwarf Mondo. And all you got to do is just come back and water this product in. 
to activate it. Now, of course, keep in mind that a pre-emergent is going to control weed seeds. It's not going to control anything already up and growing. So that is one of the beauties of this particular pre-emergent because, you know, Veda, back in the old day, you had to get a pre-emergent for the lawn, another pre-emergent for the beds to where something like Dimension you can put in both your lawn and your beds. As long as you keep it off your mm-hmm. vegetables, you're fine. Right. So we're good to go with that. Yeah, that's what I love about the dimension. There were so many different varieties like you had to get, or kinds. You had to get one for the bed and one for the lawn. And now dimension works on all of it. And so you don't have to worry about crisscrossing. Did I get some of the lawn in the bed? Did I get some of the bed on the lawn? Right. And then the other one that we don't ever talk about is the gallery. Uh, gallery is a great pre It's got the azoxabin in it. Uh, for broadleaf weeds. And it's typically for the lawn, but you can also use it in the beds. But the gallery, though, Veda, you can't use it around bedding plants, okay? Yeah. Where dimension, knock yourself out. So there, but my, my answer is there are some really, really good pre-emergence that you can use not only in the lawn, but also in the beds, including in and around these great ground covers that we have. Yeah. Stop the weeds before they start. Yeah. Because in the, uh, you know, there's different levels of organic, I guess you could say, where, you know, either some people say, I'm not doing anything organic. Yeah. But it's more in terms of now we're just being more earth friendly because it's hard to do anything 100% organic. But I would say in earth-friendly terms, we're still putting down a synthetic for the pre-emergent. Right. But when you're thinking about what it's saving in the future. Not in terms spraying of using, all the other stuff yeah. later on to kill the weeds after they right. come up. We're not having to use the water. We're not uh, worried about the overspray on us. Uh, you usually don't you usually get too much or not enough when you're using the uh, spray. So if you're you're going with a granule pre-emergent, because we're not going to let weeds grow in our yard. That's just all there is to it. So we've got to do something. Right. And I'd rather you use a pre-emergent to stop the weeds from coming up than waiting and just spraying. Nuking everything yeah. with a weed killer later on right, yeah. as a post-emergent. Yeah, you know? so I like to do everything as much as possible as granules. And also we all know that you know Roundup that's been around forever. Roundup is a non-selective herbicide. It kills anything that it comes in contact with. And the, one of the beauties of Roundup, it is systemic. It kills root and all. And another beauty of it, Veda, is it doesn't leach through the soil. But Roundup is not going to be available to homeowners after 2023. So it'll be available this year and next year. But after that, it's gone. Roundup is, is I mean, the farmers can still use it, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like the the old Anzar, Drexar, MSMA. I cannot believe Roundup's going to be gone. It's going to be gone, yeah. So there are products they're working on. I mean, one that's even on the market now that we even carry is the Decimate. Roundup is glyphosate, okay? Yeah. Decimate is glucophate. It's, right. it's one molecule different from mm-hmm. Roundup. Yeah. Now, it does the same thing. It is a non-selective herbicide. It kills anything that's green and growing. It is semi-translocating. It's not completely systemic like mm-hmm. Roundup is. Semi, okay. Yeah, so semi. So there might be some issues where you might have to go out there and use it more than one time. Uh, you know, in other words, let's say if I've got a weed growing and I spray it with glucophate, which is yeah. decimate, it's going to kill that weed. But if there's a strong root system down there, it could actually come back from that mm-hmm. root. So I might have to go out there and spray another time to really kind of completely kill it out. 
So yeah, I mean, you know, there are going to be products out there that we can surely use that will kill anything that's green and growing. But I'm telling you, they're not going to be exactly like the mm-hmm. Roundup product that we've been used to for the last right. 30 years. Yeah. And then, so then things like there are natural weed killers also. And one of the things that people didn't like about the natural weed killer is it wouldn't kill the root all the way down. Right. But if you're killing the top, it's eventually starving the root. Yeah. But the other thing, though, is there's some things that are really intense where... It's going to come back from that root. Yeah. No matter what you're uh-huh. going to use. But we're also going to learn, because here's the thing, if you take something away... You usually learn how to work differently since you don't have well, what you took away. Like so, you, go ahead. Yeah, so we might be changing our planting habits or how we plant because we know there's going to be. Because I, I mean, a lot of times people go, "It's okay, I'll just round it up." And going, <laughs> but but let's just not do it in the first place. Well, but think when they took MSMA and Zardrexar off the market that we sprayed every day, all day to kill crabgrass. It was just a, mm-hmm. our go-to product to kill a grassy type weed grown in our lawn. Well, now that's when people were like, okay, I don't have MSMA anymore, but I can surely put a pre-emergent down mm. to keep that crabgrass from coming up. Oh, so yeah. the pre-emergent kind of took the place of that product. Yeah, that's true. So you know, so we did take something away, then we'll figure out a way. Exactly, like do, you just said, yeah, Beta. Yes, and I'm thinking, yeah, our, our changing will, or our planting will change. Like, for instance, let me thinking of everything I would do different if I didn't. Well, I've mostly gardened where I didn't have to use Roundup, so I really can't think of anything I would do differently. Well, you know, Roundup, I mean, and if Jim was sitting here, you know, Jim, you know what he thought about Roundup and all the litigation that was, mm-hmm. you know, that's going on now behind Roundup. Who knows if it's true or not? You know, they're saying that it's a carcinogenic product. But the 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 real deal is they are uh, they they are being litigated. Okay, mm-hmm. so these people don't want to take that risk. Right. Uh, so people that are you know making Roundup, even though Roundup is the patent is run out. I mean, there are other products out there that yeah. have Roundup in it. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> but they're going to abolish those products. Well, though. people are sensitive, too, to the smells of chemicals. Uh, like I'm sensitive. <laughs> so, like, for instance, I'm going to get on the elevator to go up to get to the... Um, what was I doing? Oh, the 75th anniversary for KWAM. Okay. And as... So you're in the, the parking radio station garage. right here. Yes, 75 years. where I'm sitting. Well, this... But anyway, yeah. so I am walking toward the elevator and i'm smelling just this perfume and makeup and hairspray and all that just emitting off these people that are in front of me and i'm like i cannot get on the elevator with this smell i can i'll have a headache i mean plus it was just whether you weren't sensitive to it or not i think you'd still asphyxiate yourself in the elevator with all of those people but you got a pretty good sniffer going on there Yeah, yeah so so that's how it works sometimes with chemicals with people. They can't tolerate the smell. Yeah. Maybe it's not hurting them, but it, they're just too sensitive. Yeah. And, you know, some of the old-fashioned insecticides, I mean, there's two that come to my mind. There's uh, malathion and acephate. Mm-hmm. Uh, they mm-hmm. definitely have their distinct odors, okay? Uh, and they're to me, they're not – I mean, I, I guess, you know, I've smelt them, and, and I get you get used to it. Yeah. But malathion, you know, people hate the way it smells, and acephate, they hate the way it smells. 
But a lot of the newer products on the market now, Veda, these insecticides, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're almost odorless, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Cause I mean, you, they don't have that horrible smell that some of I these know. old insecticides That's did. That's true, because I could walk past somebody's yard and know what they sprayed because of the smell. And you smell too for d Yeah, yeah. All right, so anyway, so just keep that in mind, guys. Uh, Roundup, you know, it, it's going to be, you've got two more years, and then after that, don't freak out is the reason I'm bringing this up, <laughs> is there are going to be products out there that are going to work very similar to Roundup, it won't be exactly the same thing, but it'll be close enough for us to go out there and yeah. kill weeds that are growing in the crack of our right. sidewalk. Okay? Don't freak out. Hey, did we do our break or do we got to do a break? We got to go. To okay, break. we're going to go to a break and we'll be right back. Good morning, gardeners, and welcome to Mid South Gardening. Ben is there bouncing in her chair, I was waiting dancing. For that. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I don't sing. Oh my gosh! If y'all. you want to give us a call, it may be not a bad thing, but give us a call two six zero five nine two six two six zero five nine two six. Go to the Mighty Nine Ninety Facebook page, and you can shoot us a text. Um, and I remember when long time ago, first on the air, and my niece was maybe. Maybe five or six. Mm -hmm. And so my sister goes, Okay, let's listen to your Aunt Veda on the radio. Mm -hmm. So she listens and listens and listens. And then finally she goes, Mom, (laughs) she's not singing. Yeah, no, she's just talking. And he was like, No, it's a talk show. And then Rachel goes, I'm glad she's not singing. (laughs) (laughs) And I go, So is everybody else. (laughs) Oh, man, that's funny. Well, listen, you know how people love, there's a particular herb out there called rosemary. I'm sure you've mm. heard of it. People, Rosemary. People mm. love it, Veda. And it's uh, one of those things where you can have your prized rosemary growing over the years. And then you get one of these crazy, you know, winters where the mm-hmm. temperature just drops overnight and you lose it. Okay. You mean like in Memphis, oh, Mid-South? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. can't imagine, right? Oh, right. And there's, um, you know, there's so many rosemaries out there on the market. There's even one called barbecue rosemary. Okay. <laughs> Tastes nothing like barbecue, but I guess you could use it with barbecue. But the three that I want to talk about, there's one called Salem, there's one called Arp, and there's one called Tuscan Blue, okay? And those are just, like I said, three of many. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I'm bringing up Salem, which is a hybrid, uh, Salem is a rosemary that has really good tolerance to a lot of high humidity climates like we have here, Mm -hmm. right? It's about three foot tall, about two foot wide, it, and all just like all rosemaries, it needs really good drainage. Don't ever try to grow rosemary where you don't have good drainage. They don't mind water, kind of like roses, but they got to have good drainage, okay? Uh, but it, and it's also very cold tolerant, and that is S A L E M Salem. That's <laughs> your spelling, cold tolerant. No, so so, but it, there again, they it, it can take kind of like some of the new lavenders that can take our heat here in the south. Uh, this can take very hot, humid conditions. Because we can get them through the winter. Yeah, <laughs> you know? so exactly. Uh, and so that is called Salem. Now, Arp Rosemary, it gets about three foot tall, about three foot wide. It gets a little uh, wider than, say, the Salem does. Uh, it's a little more upright, okay, mm-hmm. kind of spiky, if you will. Still the beautiful blue blooms. You know, some people grow rosemary for the bloom. You know, hummingbirds like the blooms Absolutely. on rosemary. Uh, and it's also very cold uh, tolerant. And it gets, um, uh, you know, it's it's really good down to about 15 degrees. 
But if you plant that rosemary on the south side of the house against that brick wall and create that little microclimate, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it grow when it gets down to zero mm-hmm. degrees and not hurt it. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So um, so the two, I think, are that are really cold tolerant around here, and they can also tolerate you know this humid weather that we have. The Salem and the Arp. Now, there's one called Tuscan Blue. Now, this this thing can get up to six foot tall if you've never cut it back, if you can keep it alive that long. And a lot of people even use this as topiaries. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, how cool is it to have a topiary mm-hmm. rosemary? And we've all seen them, Veda. So I guess the point I'm bringing this up is, yes, invariably, if you grow rosemary here in the Mid-South, at some point, I don't care where you grow it, whether it's on the south side, whether it's in the ground, or whether it's in a container, you're going to lose it. It's yeah. just going to happen. Especially it could they, be 10 years down the exactly. road, you know. Yeah, we planted it in a s- small bed that's in the middle of like a sidewalk and the street. And then about 10 feet from that bed is a building that uh, can protect somewhat. Yeah. But we have a huge rosemary grow. I did a uh, now Don's. This was, were you growing them as ornamentals? Yeah, yeah. yeah I did a Don's uh, wax myrtle, which is a dwarf one. Put the feather grass and the little bunny grass in there. Did a mm. carpet rose and then rosemary and lavender. Wow. And then we added, then we always add the seasonal color. Like now there's some beautiful blooming zinnias, which we got to wow. take out, you know. And uh, I've got a butterfly bush in there too. And the bed's not very big, but I used like the smaller of each variety. And the dwarf varieties. Yeah, we planted it. Two years ago, yeah. I think so, yeah. during this time frame. Mm-hmm. And we used the earth mix that um, Monrovia makes that has all the compost microorganisms. To create good drainage. Yeah, and because the, the bed was horrible. And yeah, any bed between the sidewalk and the street is going to be horrible. With the okay? telephone pole yeah. in it, too. You know, it's going to be horrible. But we used that earth mix in there, which, you know, just a good organic compost. I mean, you have to be wary of things that are listed as organic compost because sometimes that just means one half composted product yeah gotcha. but this one has like y'all soil not yeah. half compost y'all have the good soil too yeah. oh yeah and well, your independent garden center is like us yeah you, yeah you're gonna find some good stuff exactly and it's like <clears throat> literally the insurance for your plants it's almost like if nobody if people buy stuff and don't leave with compost then i'm going <laughs> or they'll say I've got, and i'm hoping they have some at home and they say they do and i want to go well do you have the right kind but then eventually they're going to go look I'm just trying to plant. I don't need a lesson from you. But back to the good compost and all. It was like insurance. Those plants have done so good. We did lose the lavender, though, last year. Yeah, and like I was saying, you know, there are certain varieties, like the rosemary that I just mentioned that I really like around here. And then the lavenders. There's two in particular, and I love them all. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. Lavender is great. Uh, and I've seen walkways with lavender. You just walk down the walkway. They're not even blooming. You can still smell this stuff. But the <laughs> the people that came out with Phenomenal, you know about yeah. that one, Veda, uh, it does really well here in this, this climate that we have. And then they just came out, the same people that came out with Phenomenal came out with Sensational. Uh, and you can read about those, Kenneth, too. Kenneth, you're so sensational. And you were phenomenal. Thank you. You know? Ah! Not so that. those two, Veda, is... 
I would highly recommend. Now, there is a lady over in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Forget the name of her farm. She grows lavender, I mean, by the acres, okay? Yeah. So don't think that you can't grow lavender in this part of the country. You most definitely can Mm -hmm. if you have the right conditions. And, you know, we're always talking about good drainage. Try to grow lavender without decent drainage, yeah, okay? You just won't grow it. <clears throat> no. This is a good time to use your Enlighten or Soil Perfector. Those little, yeah, mix those in. Oh, my goodness, you're going to have such good results. You, you, and, and plant a, a lavender a little high. But you know, we're always talking about conditioning the soil, planting high. There are some things that just will not, absolutely will not tolerate wet roots, and lavender definitely mm-hmm. is one of them. But I like those two in particular, phenomenal and sensational. All right, we'll be right back with some more phenomenal information from sensational people. Kenneth. Morning, gardeners. Welcome back to Mid South Garden. Want to let you know that next Saturday we're going to have Wes Hopper on the show with us. He's a tree whisperer, is what we all fondly call uh, him. He knows a lot about trees. He does. He works now for Germantown Natural Resources, Resources. over there. Yeah. yeah. Parks and Resources. Right. And he's done a lot, a lot of great things. So we're going to ask him those questions that are painful to hear what an arborist But don't ask says. him right now. You have to ask Wes and see what he says. Yeah. So, because, um, you know, us gardeners really want to... Yeah. Do what we should do. Yeah, we want to push the envelope, if you so will. So we're going to see if we are pushing the envelope. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 260-5926, or you can shoot us a text on the Mighty 990 Facebook page like Wendy Johnson did, uh, Johnston. So Wendy, her question was, when planting a perennial now, this time of year, uh, can I give it plant tone, or should I just plant without any fertilizer, Miss Veda? Mm. Boy, well, there's two kind of different things. Um, your fertilizer can be your composts. You have to use your compost, like the the earth mix or the um, back to nature blend. Right. You've got to definitely use compost. So, use, so still amend the soil yeah. when you're planting a perennial. Right. And then when we're fertilizing with natural products, we're actually fertilizing the soil. Right. So the soil can take the nutrients when they want it. So if you're not fertilizing with, would you plant tone, tree mm-hmm. tone? along with your compost then the plant will have nothing to eat as it it's it but you don't want to use like a high nitrogen synthetic mm-hmm. or triple 13 now you right. don't want to do that just compost so yes yeah. so to answer the question Wendy you most definitely can use a flower tone or a bulb tone or a garden tone or a plant tone mm-hmm. on these perennials that you're planting now absolutely you can because like Veda said you're not force-feeding the plant. You're actually feeding the soil. So when you put a product like Plant Tone down and work it into the soil mm-hmm. and plant your perennial, whatever it is, a mom, a echinacea, whatever, yeah. the soil breaks the product down, and the plant will use it as it needs it, okay? So you're not forcing a mm-hmm. lot of tender growth out yeah. this time of year that's going to get just zapped right. as soon as cold weather gets here. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of like to explain it in terms of food, mm-hmm. basically, is... If uh, 
we drink a lot of caffeinated, a lot of coffee and caffeinated and stuff. And lots of sugar in it. Lots of sugar. It's just syrup. Creamer, creamer, yeah. creamer. You know, Really rich. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, is that so good? But it's not doing anything for our long-term energy or our long-term nutrients. Mm. So that's kind of like... When you use a synthetic, you're getting that quick boost. Now, there are some synthetics now that have some lower uh, release properties in it now. Yeah, that's not just all fast-release triple 13 anymore. Right, exactly. So, But with the organics, it's like you're eating your balanced meal, your, your body... Is going along just balanced, not too high, not too low, yeah. you know, and and the nutrients are there to feed your body as you go along for the day because you what did they call eat things that stick to your ribs, <laughs> you yeah. know, so you're eating the good nutrients and all, so so you're always gonna be going to be a little healthier, and that's what the compost and the natural products do to your plants. Now, if you want to spike it, like oh yeah, I'm gonna spike my day with. Look at my coffee cup, Uh, y'all. Do you know I have probably half creamer and half coffee? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, so I'm going to have the coffee and sometimes you spike things. Like you were talking about the uh, product with the the phosphorus, the high Mm. number. Yeah, the the fertilone blooming and rooting soluble plant food. It's got 58% phosphate in it. So in an organic program, you would never have to use that because the plants are always able to get its food. But... If I'm a rosarian or somebody that's trying to make sure something's blooming and it's not happening, then, then yeah, I might jumpstart it. And then the bedding plant food that we talked about, the 7228. In fact, Mm -hmm. that that product used to be called pansy food Mm -hmm. years ago. I remember that. It was called pansy food. Yeah. 7228. Now it's just called bedding. blue fertilome container. Now it's it's in a a kind of a maroon bag Mm, by fertilome. But the 7228 uh, is a uh, a bedding plant food that people definitely use when they're planting their, let's say, pansies and zavolas, because you want a lot of bloom on those. Mm-hmm. That's why we're planting them. But in Wendy's case, like you said, you're planting a lot of stuff this time of year, including perennials. You most definitely can use a organic fertilizer, not a problem whatsoever. In fact, it's even recommended. So mm-hmm. yes, Wendy, most definitely use that plant tone. Yeah. And you can definitely use root stimulators too. Absolutely. With perennials. They're just not for trees and shrubs. All right. What is the house plant of the week this mm-hmm. week, Miss Veda? Man, yours, you'd say, what's yours? The golden goddess philodendron. Okay. Oh, I thought you were calling me the golden goddess. Well, you, you were talking are. about the You're plant. the golden goddess, okay. not the golden goddess philodendron, okay? okay? Uh, and the reason I say that is this, the one in particular, I, I, I love houseplants. I love green flower, I mean green leaves. Mm-hmm. But from time to time, I like to see that chartreuse color. And this one is on some plants that have yellow leaves, it makes me think that the plant is anemic. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just can't get that out of my head. Where this one, it doesn't. Maybe it's just because of the particular color yeah. of this leaf. I'm telling you, it looks like it belongs to be that color. It, yeah, it really doesn't look like there's a yellow leaf hanging off a shrub. Right. It's nice. Yeah, so it, it, I like the, first of all, I like that it's not just a green philodendron. It's definitely golden color. Uh, and it is, this is a climbing philodendron. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not one of these little erect, little bush-type plants. Yeah. And a lot of people will have like a grow stick in their mm-hmm. container. And this thing will get up to six foot tall. You showed yeah. me a picture of one this morning, Veda, that is just phenomenal. Uh, and they're easy to grow. Uh, they, they have that chartreuse foliage. 
they need bright, indirect light. And what does bright, indirect <laughs> light mean? That means that you don't have to stick them in front of the western window where it gets blazing, direct mm-hmm. afternoon sun. Just blaring. You know, the yeah. sun that, like, discolors your curtains. <laughs> okay, your that's carpet. too intense. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but, but, but careful, though. These plants are sensitive to overwatering. In other words, when you water it, you can water it well when you water but you do want to let this thing air out and get maybe a little dry on the on the dry side before you come back and water again, which we say that to every house plant basically mm-hmm. that people are growing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, there's a few that don't want to go, and there's there's a few that don't want to go on the dry side. Just a few. Not many. Yeah. Now they can all go dry. But they're not going to perform, I mean, really dry, but they're not going to ever perform to their fullest potential. And some plants, if they go really dry and then you get them really wet, they have issues from that. Yeah. I mean, so there are sensitive, like I said, to overwatering. And that's where we go out there and we're watering these things two or three times a week. And they surely don't need that. Usually on houseplants, usually, don't Mm -hmm. write this down in stone, (laughs) usually once a week Mm -hmm. you're okay. Yeah. And you do want to put them in the in the places in the room where they do get the proper amount of light. And like I said, this one needs uh, you know bright indirect light, not a dark deep corner over mm-hmm. there because you're going to lose a lot of your variegation. You're not going to have it. Yeah. The the chartreuse color won't be as as intense. Right. You know? Right. And you, that's what we want it for. And I have one. We see that here's the other thing about names. You knew it as the golden goddess. I knew it as. Was Eva, it like Eva? Yeah. Philodendron. And a matter of fact, I ordered that variety because my sister's name is Eva. It depends on the grower. Yeah. So it depends on the grower. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that one. Yeah. And so I had one plant and it grew a very long, a good long stem off of it. With, with yeah. So we have something called Mossify poles. And they're long poles, but they're bendable. You can mm-hmm. make a heart out of it. You can make an S, a swirl. or yep. it's It's more like pretty you could twist it yeah. like into like a a twist yeah you know? yeah you yeah. sure could oh i gotta try that one so i took that philodendron you know put the you have to actually put the moss pole or the uh, mossify pole in the pot um and then plant your plant yeah, in it because you want this down in the yeah. pot it's with the dirt a, around it yeah. holding it in place it's got like a granite or a marble bottom that gives it its weight and its stability in the pot. And so then I put the um, plant in there and then twirled that up on it. And it's very artistic and pretty looking. I mean, th- there's always, you always need moss poles, the tall poles and stuff. But this one, because I was going more dainty and ornamental, it looks really cool. And y'all, we, uh, they're mossify. You'll have to look them up. They have crazy videos mm-hmm. about, I mean, I never thought anybody could make so many videos out of a plant pole, pole. but mossify, and they're really cool. They work great. Yeah. So, but remember that one, y'all, the, the golden goddess or the Eva philodendron, because like I said, this doesn't look like it's an anemic house plant. Mm-hmm. This, this, this plant looks really good with that yellow chartreuse colored foliage yeah. so you've got you're you're enamored now with the audrey ficus. The audrey ficus and and the golden goddess, goddess. philodendron yeah. and did i talk about one um i have to go back in my notes Vader, before the audrey ficus it was another it seems like you did have one before i did audrey. i can't remember i have to go back what and look would be different that wasn't an alocasia no i have to go back yeah and, man there's so many different 
different and things. And the Audrey it's Fica wonderful. is just kind of a recap. You know, we're so used to the fiddle leaf fig and the uh, the old fashioned what Ficus Benjamin. Yeah. yeah, this is the Audrey, and I tell you, I I love this ornamental tree mm-hmm. as a house plant. It's 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 so much more forgiving. Uh, it, it's not as you know, it's not as crazy sensitive when it comes to the watering yeah. and it's bigger leaves it, love it very um, architecturally formed now it's not chunks. as big as the fiddle leaf fig no but maybe Told, you wouldn't even think they were in the same family but they are and they're but, easy to grow you know what i just thought of because the rubber tree plant mm-hmm. is a ficus and the audrey you could say has rubber tree leaf but much lighter green much lighter. foliage yeah but the and leaf not as looks glossy. like kind of like a rubber tree leaf yeah as far as the shape of it right and it is definitely easier to grow yeah. all right we're gonna go to a break and um boy we only have a few more minutes left so we will be right back yep good morning welcome back we had a caller who wanted to know if the chocolate chip ajuga can take some afternoon sun. Well, I guess it it ought to mean depends on what you mean by some afternoon sun. Like I mean, if it was late afternoon sun, late. yeah, late. It could take some 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 of that late mm-hmm. afternoon kind of creeping down in there. Yeah, you got to have lots of extra water and fertilizer to make it perform in more sun yeah and it can take some but i mean you know when you think about chocolate chip ajuga which is a type of ajuga that has a smaller more narrow leaf than your old bronze ajuga Mm -hmm. uh, i mean it typically is going in an area where you can get some morning sun and afternoon shade yeah it can take high shade filtered sun mottled sun but what it won't take is just blazing afternoon Mm -hmm. sun so I'm not quite sure when they say some afternoon sun. I guess, it, like you said, Veda, the answer is yes, yeah, absolutely some, yes, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's later in the day. Yeah. But that 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock business going on in the summertime, mm-hmm. you know, that's not where you want chocolate yeah. chip ajuga. With no trees around, nothing. It's just out there baking. So then if you're look, well, if she just needs some afternoon sun, because I was going to say you can replace and use like... Ooh, that pretty jasmine that now has colors like the orange and the the yellows and the reds all mixed on one. Or there's some that's white and green. You could use something like that because uh, jasmine would definitely take that full song. And then Asiatic jasmine and Vinca minor and, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, uh, you know, Mondo grass and, and monkey grass. I mean, all of those can take all the sun yeah. you want to give them. It's just the ajuga. You, you just got to be – you don't want – you know, that, that hottest part of the, right. the day on there. You no. want to give it a little break <laughs> there. And then you had a texter, I believe. We had a fine gentleman by the name of Marty Kaiser. Marty's a great guy. Marty uh, texted in and said, any advice on an evergreen tree in a boulevard between the flower bed and the street? And it has about a four-foot span, okay, that really won't damage the sidewalk or the street years down the road. Yeah, that I don't was know if a there is a, such a thing. Yeah, because here's our thing. And you've probably, they've probably seen it in medians. As it grows, you need to constantly make sure, because nothing's going to only stay four feet wide. But if you let it grow up, but you keep pruning the bottom right. to keep it off the vehicles, and then it can get taller above. Oh, I got you. So you can have a tree <laughs> form. You can have mm-hmm. the trunk at the bottom and have yeah. the canopy at the top. And the canopy at the top can get more than mm-hmm. four foot because it's not going to be pushing out into the street or the sidewalk because yeah. it's, it's up. Right. Exactly. But then, so what could you do? Hollies? 
you yeah, know, and, and as they grow, you could prune them. You could tree form any holly, whether it's mm-hmm. a Nellie R. Stevens, a Savannah holly, which you got to do yeah. a lot of pruning on yet. I would either stick with like the Burford mm-hmm. holly, the, yeah. the Nellie R's, yeah. the Oakland, the Oak Leaf. And there's one even called Patricia holly that's mm-hmm. more like a... Uh, more like an arborvita. Yeah, and you can sometimes find them already treed up. Uh, so that and those are evergreen, but it's mm-hmm. so tree formed hollies. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Or wax ligustrum, tree form mm-hmm. wax ligustrum, which really isn't my favorite. I probably see it fifty fifty looking good, yeah, and looking great. So, I mean, an arborvita. I mean, I don't guess you would call it a tree, but there's some that get tall but not as wide. I mean, they, there's some. What did I get? The uh, emerald green. Right. That's uh, it's the smaragold, S-M-A-R-G-O-L-D. Yeah. I think I smelled, smelled that right. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled it right. And that the, one's only like four feet wide. Yeah, and the holstrup. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it's a dwarf arborvita. Um, so an arborvita kind of, it's more like a just a a pencil kind of a evergreen mm-hmm. shrub that you're not going to tree form that. Yeah. A Patricia holly that looks kind of like a arborvita growth. You're not going to tree form it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Junipers, yeah. arborvitas, hollies. hollies. Um, what was the other one? Because the I other things remember. like your magnolias and yeah, you know, I was going to talk about. We planted in zero lot lines like the uh, like the little gym, yeah, or little the teddy gems. bear, yeah. But we always tip pruned it yeah. to keep any anything that grew out longer than the size we were trying to keep. Yeah, we would prune it off, and then also as each season it would grow out we would go back and tip prune to keep it in that spot so if you did that on the street you would be tip pruning to keep it yeah what's four feet they're gonna that's gonna get definitely larger than four feet so that's a really hard situation and and i I really don't you know when i say prune up Mm -hmm. a magnolia yeah you know uh that's kind of that is difficult we've done that before yeah people do it but it was like where it blended in with the landscape this wouldn't blend right you know so if, if oh how about oh it was supposed to be evergreen that was the problem was the evergreen no, there's needed. a lot of things you put in there but evergreen is the key yeah so, so i hope those are helpful so for marty i mean so i guess you know i would look at my first i think inclination would be to tree form a holly mm-hmm. because first of all that's a pretty harsh place to grow anything uh, right there between the sidewalk and the in the street and hollies we know are extremely hardy and there again you can tree form them whether it's one trunk two trunk three trunks coming out of these hollies and you got your canopy at the top now it still takes a good bit of pruning you know to right. keep it the shape that you want but it most definitely can be done yeah it would definitely be a maintenance thing otherwise you'll plant things that are more native i, I mean ornamental grasses have just been taken over the medians and it looks really good especially if you do you know a few different varieties of ornamental grasses because they're only they're only cut back like in march and they're down for maybe three weeks Mm -hmm. or a month where you don't even know and then the next thing you know they're up and growing so there's ornamental grasses that you could do. And there's a million deciduous, like, That's you know, thing, deciduous yeah. magnolias, you know. Mm-hmm. and The uh, the winter berries. Oh, man, they're just, know. yeah, there's oh, so many. He could do, nope, it loses its leaves, too. But I'm saying there are, there are lots of uh, deciduous plants you could put yeah, out there, deciduous trees you could put out there. Maybe the evergreen was to uh, block sound could or, be. or block 
vision, you know, but I hope those will help a lot. I think probably the Arborvita would be the less maintenance. And it's not going to be tree, but it's going to be more like a green, just screening, you know, that you can break up some of that. Because, you know, they planted um, over there by, I can't remember where it is, but the Hollywood Junipers. They're so huge on, and wide. On Humphreys Boulevard. Yes, thank you. And But they have slowly been um, pruning them in so sure. the cars can get by sure. them, but they're growing over the top. But if you did a um, smarigold or a holstrom, you wouldn't have that pruning because they're not as wide. And then even some of the junipers, you know, whether it's their skyrocket juniper, yeah. you know, the, uh, there's that grow more up and down and not these. So there are a lot of evergreen shrubs but not really so many that i can think of evergreen that's trees. always a hard question let me check the weather and see if our 10-day forecast of 100 degrees has changed and no no <laughs> no it's still going to be 96 tuesday and wednesday so you know what you're gonna have to do is actually get warmed up on your watering because um it'll be so dry by tuesday or wednesday that it's hard to rehydrate so go ahead and get your stuff, you know, yeah. at least moist, semi-moist, because we'll do that in the garden center. The irrigation is never enough, because I'm not going to run it forever that it's running down the don't street. Don't put that hose up yet. Yeah, don't put that hose. So we will lightly water, like at the end of the day, just to get the soil mm-hmm. moist. So when the irrigation goes off, it can soak deeper into the bucket. So you may need to do some of that. And go to your independent garden centers like Palladio's and Dan West Garden Centers. You know, you can find everything you need. You know, pansies, violas, mm-hmm. fall bulbs have come in, Veda. You know, you can start planting yeah. bulbs now. To get the tulips early. Go ahead and get them in the refrigerator because right. you want to get those things chilled and usually plant those around Thanksgiving. That's right. For information and help, see your independent garden centers and visit our podcast. And we'll be back next weekend.